In the White House, President Eisenhower signs the proclamation that makes Alaska's entry into the Union official, nearly 92 years after Lincoln's Secretary of State bought the territory from the Russian Tsar for $7 million. The Alaska Wild Project podcast is brought to you by the following sponsors. Barney Sports Chalet, supplying hunters with the best hand-selected gear since 1963. The exclusive home of Frontier Gear, built for the rugged Alaskan terrain. Your one-stop shop for all your outdoor needs. Visit Barney's today at 906 West Northern Lights. Arbor Digital, the forefront of digital assets, cryptocurrencies, and wealth management, providing a low-cost, research-based investment strategy for Alaskans looking to invest their hard-earned money. Visit acminc.com today to put your money to work. Tailored Restoration 24-Hour Emergency Home Services, helping Alaskans restore their dreams since 1972. Services include fire, water, mold, post-emergency cleaning, repair, and remodeling. Give them a call in Anchorage, Eagle River, Matsu, or Fairbanks. Hit them up at tailoredrestorationalaska.com. Total Truck and Alaska Overlander, Alaska's premier supplier for custom automotive accessories and overlanding products, providing all-inclusive rental vehicles and trailers custom outfitted to explore the Alaskan backcountry with a unique and convenient traveling experience. Serrano's Mexican Grill, two locations, one on Tudor, one on Northern Lights. The Northern Lights location has their new tequila bar. Check it out. Also see their daily specials at serranosmexicangrill.com. TheTreehouseAK.com, located at 341 Boniface Parkway, Alaska's own and grown cannabis and CBD store. Ask the bud tender what the strain of the day is to get your 10% off. The Treehouse, where the culture lives. The Connoisseur Lounge, Alaska's premier locally owned and operated cannabis retailer, located in the heart of Palmer, Alaska. Their cultivated products include Snowcap Romance, Aurora Haze, Superglue, and much more. Find them at theconnoisseurlounge.net. AKO Farms, located in Sitka, Alaska, built from the ground up with concentrates as their single motivation, with exclusive products such as their sugar wax, full spectrum diamond sauce cards, and more. Ask your local bud tender about A. K-O. Marijuana has intoxicating effects and may be habit-forming and addictive. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under the influence. There are health risks associated with consumption of marijuana. For the use of only by adults 21 and older. Keep out of the reach of children and marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding. The Bait Shack. Located on Ship Creek upstream of the bridge. Can't miss the bright red shack. They're the go-to fishing gear rental and guide service on Ship Creek tight lines and fish on come hook into the action with them hit them up at thebaitshackak.com anchor town dogs located on fourth avenue across from the old fourth avenue theater look for the blue and gold umbrella from reindeer dogs to bomb euros they've got you covered anchor town dogs your local gourmet hot dog and sausage cart crude magazine alaska-based media outlet using the last frontier as a springboard to discover larger truths about the cultures of our great state Read more at crudemag.com. Lawn Pro AK, Alaska's year-round professional property maintenance team. Services include snow and ice management, weekly lawn care, and more. Get your free estimate today at lawnproak.com. Double Shovel Cider Company, located off of Arctic and 58th, handcrafted Alaskan-made colonial ciders. They also have a tap room downtown on the corner of 5th and E. Stop by today and taste an award-winning cider. 
Lady with a Plan, your own Alaska event planner. From scouting the perfect location to planning the tiniest details, specializing in event management and production for intimate social gatherings. Find Lady with a Plan on Instagram. Yeah. Oh no, those guys, the guys from the 80s, they didn't, they, they weren't, they're going to change. Yeah. Kind of what shows if you, if, if you follow or not. Seriously. <laughs> we got him. Now we know. Now we know the, the truth. notification. Like, okay, here we go. Oh, oh you found a remote, huh? So was that under your chair? Yeah, should I keep this one? So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can. It's a little souvenir for the, for the it's studio. A little massage. <laughs> yeah, right get, the, quad. get the thing. Yeah. <laughs> get it moving up. Uh, well, welcome to Alaska Wild Project, episode 52. One whole year. 5 2. Yeah. yeah, 52. 52. Right on. I think made I the yearly. 51. Congratulations to you guys. Yeah, yeah bring that up a little closer. we got to get the full go on you. Would you like it here? Let me there see. There we go. Let me see here. You again. know how to talk in a mic, man. Microphone check, my microphone check. Yeah, but ours yeah. have these huge, like foam. The foam condom thing? Yeah. 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 <laughs> this is way more professional like this. Yeah, yeah. Just careful with that, like, beautifully manicured beard. It'll, like, suck it right in there. Great. That is a nice beard, though. Thank you. You got like the two tone thing going on. It almost looks hey, like by design, but hey, 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 hey. it is by design. Well, it's this by design. It's not my design. Well, yeah, true. <laughs> and you notice how I said two tone. I didn't say two, colors. Two, I didn't I say anything. That was that was very professional of you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And I appreciate yeah. it. I'm trying to get this though. You've got this where the neck. The girth. Kinda, yeah. yeah. Well, I need to trim it up though. I've man. been called like, a few things on Alaska's worst drivers on Facebook, and it wasn't anything nice about my beard. So. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? I used to my I dyed my beard one time, and my wife hated it. But I do they do it's the dark orange beard? Do they have? They, they do. But there's even there's even a better trick than that because if you want to get your beard straight, you've got to buy tools for your beard. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I Special was just introduced. And I was introduced to that this year. Yeah. Oh, so, you remember so how cool it was in high school when the girls had the flat iron and they were like, yeah. dude, that that was like a yeah, thing. Yeah, You're yeah, like, dang, yeah. she looks. It still it still is like a thing. flat iron for beards, man. But it's got the comb in it. Oh, really? Really? Forty bucks. Oh, Damn, It'll be up at the shop soon. Flat Otherwise, iron. this thing would be over <laughs> on your mic. It'd be on yours. Well, I don't flat iron for your beard, dude. I'm, I'm telling oh. you, I, I thought this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard about. And then I saw, I was in the store and I saw it and I bought it. And I'm in love. Did and then I've recommended it to other people who have been like, man, every time me and my brother go out, he always does. He's so stoked on his beard comb. First like, note okay. on the show. <laughs> yep. <laughs> now do you sell those Flat at Alaska? Iron. I know, right? <laughs> no, I haven't figured out a way to put that into the product <laughs> next year. But right next to the salts, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Shameless, you can you can pick that thing right up at Fred Meyer, man, tonight on your way home. You'll yeah. be we should yeah. have a Beardo Award at the a meat party this year. Yeah, oh, a Beardo mm, Award. Yeah, I think we mm-hmm. need it. That'd Ooh. be a good one. Best beard? That's a good yeah. idea. That's the real I, beard. I think though. I feel like Ira would, would like just own the league in that. Uh, Edwards? Oh, yeah. 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 He's got an epic beard. Yeah, Big does. time. I actually got a few texts from him this uh-huh. week. Um, he found out that we were moving the date on the party because uh-huh. he, 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 I think you guys shared some. Did you send him the flyer or the invite? No, I'll send it to him. I'll okay. send it to him. And, and he was, he already broke down like what he's going to bring. Oh, sweet. What was it? Oh, uh, I'm not going to say. Damn it. Yeah. I'm not going to go. Oh, there. He I'm actually sent me like a list of options like two months ago. He's like, what do you mm-hmm. think they would like? Oh, to bring ABC, you know, and it was all listed out like how it's going to be stuff. Did we have E all of the above. Oh man. It <laughs> good. I guess he got, I guess he got pretty sick when he was down in Texas. 
So, but he's recovered and he went skiing last week, so he's feeling better. But I'm sure the beard is as luscious as ever. Well, there's some other good, good beardos out there. Yeah, beardos. Beardos. When again? You never on. heard of that? Hold on, man. I like had a beard, solid beard, going for like three years, and first time ever hearing about a flat iron for it, and. Well, you the know term they, beardos. Well, right? the the history of the beardos. <laughs> what the hell, man? My mind is like. <laughs> <laughs> so so the history goes back to the home, the Homer hockey tournament, right? When mm. uh, Double Shovel was playing their arch nemesis every year, the Northwest Flyers. Mm. And these are arch nemesis. Though, yeah, that's totally. Major. So, uh, anyway, we were playing against these guys, and we knew a couple of them, but not all of them. And there's these three dudes that had these mega beards, and they took things real serious. Mm. And Can't forget uh, them. yeah, so they were named the Beardos. We actually called them all the Beardos around town for like five or six years. Did they know and, that? Oh yeah. Oh, oh okay. yeah. Very much oh, aware. Very much it. aware. Well, the big brother and the, well, it, the pride all came down to like the middle and young brother weren't sure how they should play it out, but the big brother stood up and made it kind of like, okay, we're going to own this. It's funny. <clears throat> Luckily, he did that because it was me against all three of them and in a referee room. The one oh, on the ice rink you. in front of a keg. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't have gotcha. gone well. But so those are the Petersons. The Peters. Oh, Peters. The Peters, sorry. Yeah. Oh, the, the, the Beardos. Sorry, yeah. Oh, they're okay. the, they're Beardos, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so now they all play on our hockey team and shit. Right. right. <laughs> we combine <laughs> forces now. Yeah, so no the Peters the are the Beardos. But yep. yeah. If you can't beat them, join them. Yeah, they were uh, like, <laughs> it was almost like a magical time. Did they, did they keep the beards though? Do they still have the beards? I, I think two of the three. Did they quit? Yeah. Yeah. Two Steve, of the three. Steve, two Joe, sure. One quitter out of three. That's yeah. not bad. Yeah, yeah. Joe. Joe's shaven. Yeah. yeah, he's clean. Yeah, he's not like clean, clean. He's like no, still no, got like no. He's yeah, clean. Yeah, he's yeah, he's oh, like oh that's right. Yeah, with he is. Last yeah, night. you're right. Yeah, yeah no, he's he's way clean. Yeah, and they're one of those guys that can still has this beard. Yeah, and they can grow a beard like overnight. Oh yeah, yeah. These guys have. Yeah, they're they're beardos for the reasons. Yeah, yeah. They, they could they, they, they're top comp- competition against Ira for sure. That's actually a really good, really good one. We'll do that. Mm. Yeah, I'll just be a judge. You could grow something, <laughs> out, man. Get those whiskers out. It's just all neck. Just all neck. <laughs> you guys are so uh, funny. Man. I actually I had a beard that that year too. That was the only year I really grew grew it out. Oh, that like, was all the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that. funny. I was showing yeah. that. I was showing a picture on our sheep hunt of my beard. They're like, "Oh, who's the grandpa?" I'm like, "Whoa, whoa, man! Like, he's only like a year and a half older than me, man." <laughs> he's trying what? to get more respect out there. It's like, "Oh, I didn't know sixty-year-olds went sheep hunting." Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, now that I know that they got the flat iron, I'm gonna have to grow it back. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Totally. <laughs> I would. Yeah, yeah I was starting to lose. That. I was starting to lose a little faith. Like I couldn't. I just couldn't keep it groomed enough. I was like, "Man, this thing is kind of rowdy." That's my, where I'm at right now. It's just like crazy. Well, my day job, I like I, I my day job, I try to keep my, we try to look presentable for the yeah. most part. I mean, it's look still like a pro power sports industry, but like you still, you get like, we sell boats to some folks that have some coin mm. and they, you know, they expect a little level of whatever. And so I sometimes I look at that thing and I'm like, wow, you need to do something with that. So when I heard about that, I'm like, yeah. this is a way to, I can, I can now justify yeah. keeping the beard. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I like um, the voice you guys are hearing, I don't think we even introduced. Uh, we hadn't gotten there yet. Yeah, we didn't even get there there. So for episode 52, we have Nick Olzenak from Alaska Mining and Diving Supply. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Appreciate you. Yeah, man. It's super stoked to have you on. And he's a subscriber to Lettuce and Kale and Growing Locally. You got him to the local greens, and he's a hot dog connoisseur Dude, as well. 
let's not talk about that because I've been telling this guy <laughs> that I've been eating healthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no. no well, it's, it's only for three months out of the year. So Thank God. <laughs> Seriously. But I, I am. I am I am that guy that sees a hot dog stand, especially the years, man, I go, I'm like, oh, I got to stop. It doesn't matter if I've already had lunch with somebody. Like, I'm, I'm uh, just scarf one down. Stop right there in that in yeah. the fire lane and just I'll be quick. That's right, yeah. <laughs> Pull into the courthouse. He knows what I want. And the flashers on. But but I am, and it's been funny because I didn't. I mean, I really haven't known you, but just barely a short period of yeah. time. And you've introduced me to some cool stuff. To include that kale is not horrible. I'm saying it right here, right now. I'm, I'm telling you, it's, it's amazing. I like kale chips, man. You guys ever <clears throat> make kale chips? Oh yeah. Are we you, talked about that them? too, and I've been. I mean, I had. I had kale on moose tenderloin last night. Oh, nice. Nice. With some Kodiak scallops. Anyway, and then Man. you guys, like, it's just funny, like, oh, yeah. And then 10 years ago, and talking yeah. about the past, like, it's just, uh, this mm -hmm. is kind of a fun reunion slash new uh, new relationship, new friendships. It's fun. A little small Appreciate world. You. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you come across a lot of people, too. I mean, all my, day, every day, all year. My problem is I see people, I'm like, hey. Yeah, yeah, you, hey, you, yeah. hey, bro. And they're like, Nick Olsenak, we went to this place on this day at this time, and you did this. And I'm like, what was it? You know? <laughs> okay, we're good. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I yeah. kind of remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Are you sure? You got to remember, the best man in my wedding owns a bar, right? Like, that's, Oh, dude, there's, I went to your wedding. Yeah. I'm here late. Yeah, you did. <laughs> I did. <laughs> yeah. And now that you say that, I, I remember. I forgot about that. Yeah. But yes, yeah, I, that's me too. I, my thing is, I actually first officially met you. And then I was actually that, the most sober one at the lake that night. Yeah, so. I was kind of rowdy. It was pretty cool. You guys cruising around in the uh, paddle boat with the cigars mm -hmm. or yeah. the, the uh, what do you call Subboards? that? Pedal, pedal boat. Pedal boat. Pedal boat. Yeah. Pedal. Oh, you, yeah. you said paddle boat. You meant it's like pedal. Pedal, pedal, pedal boat. Pedal boat. Pedal yeah. Boat. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. It was pretty cool, man. That was, that was a good time. Thanks. It was a good time. We had a good Beautiful time. day too. Mm -hmm. What was really funny was all the gals getting ready for the wedding in the motorhome. Yep. Just getting hammed. That wasn't a, no. that wasn't them. There wasn't no. no. Well, I, the, the bride was good, but the but no the, one drinks at weddings. Oh, yeah, I was just like walk by that thing. I'm like Jesus. It's all no, my wife and, and my wife and I are a balance, man. It's like mm -hmm. I drink all of the booze and she doesn't touch it. She's DD. <clears throat> She'll if if my wife drinks a glass of champagne, she's on the floor, face down for days, hungover. <laughs> so she just doesn't drink. <laughs> Bring me toast. But I make sure I take. Yeah, care your of best it. man was like a, a stocky dude. What was Mikey? It? Mikey. Yeah, uh, Pio she, Mike. Is he oh, still Mike Ward? Yeah, yeah he Wardy. was. He was working with you at Mining Diamonds. Is he still there? No, or? no, no, no. Oh, oh. Mikey's been downtown at the Pio for. Oh, okay. And since I met him, he was a doorman when I met him at the Pio, and now him and Dave own that place. They bought it from the. Oh, owners. really? Yeah, yeah. He's never worked for you over at Mining and Diving. Well, no, he's always one. He's like speaking to the bros. Like he, that dude is like, <laughs> he's lo he's a loyal, loyal. He's a mm. super loyal friend, and he's a loyal customer. Like I sold him Polaris when I worked selling Polarises, and he came over when mm. I was started selling skis, and ever since he always buys from us, and he always flies the colors. And yeah, you'd have thought that he <laughs> worked for us. Yeah, I mean, maybe he was that's cheap. Why. He's cheap labor, right? Just <laughs> making a deal on a snowmobile, Pro and he's bono. flying the colors. Yep. Yeah. Dude. Yep. Mike he still plays soccer, man. Oh, he's crazy, dude. Yeah, that dude. He he, he does so much shit. Dude. And he runs. He runs. He's so athletic. Yeah, he's you would not expect that, man. But he can go. Dude. He's still winning state championships. Like he probably has like eight at least under his belt. Really? I mean, when I stopped playing like ten years ago with him, we had won a few, and like every year he's just like boom, 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 still boom, boom, it. still on it, what dude. A badass. Yeah, yeah. that's his Way thing. Cool. 
Yeah, he's on it. He took a while to uh, convert over to cider over at the Pio, but he did it, and uh, and I think he's happy about that. And he's going to give me a lot of grief on when he sees this and he sees me drinking that because I helped it take a long time for him to <laughs> switch over. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I did. I was a hater forever. And then uh, I started to realize, I'm like, I started, I started to see the light. Yeah. And it really was because of this product. I was like, there was just none, no other ones that really no. hit me. And uh, everything's different. There was a summer. What's the summer one? What's the one? The um, great pre lavender. He knows. Like you already, you already know my sales history. <laughs> <laughs> Matt hits the shelves like Olsenak's coming. Yeah. 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 <laughs> bring the bring the uh, lavender yeah. to the front. Oh, I noticed the back <laughs> left of part of your boat was kind of tilted down, and then I saw all the cases. That's exactly <laughs> pallet stack. Yeah, that is that's that is one hundred percent my summertime boat. Jam. Oh, it's good. Ooh, oh, the man. lavender. I need man. to make that again. I got to mix that. I could do one like true flavored lavender, and I got to mix it with something else. Oh, you mix it? I don't know if I would like that. But just mm. so with like a regular, like oh, a extra dry. Or yeah, something. Extra it makes dry a something. really good gin. And mm-hmm. Ooh, drink. I bet. Really good. Not no. that you need any more no, alcohol no. content in that drink, but no, it makes no. it. Good. Yeah. I could yeah. turn things real squirrely. You get real mm-hmm. silly. That I don't do that one until the anchor is on the bottom, and I've checked the anchor drag alarm and everything's good. And then yeah, you're spending the night the whole night. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I ain't going anywhere after that one. And you smell like a flower after you drink it. I mean, come mm-hmm. on. Yeah, very floral. Versus versus all the IPA that I drink. My wife hates that. Mm. There's a little after an after scent to that one. You know, yeah. you pay for oh, about yeah. twelve yeah. hours later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, seeping out your pores. Mm-hmm. You yeah. haven't tried that as a marketing. So you should think about that. Yeah, really. yeah. Oh, you don't. You ever want to chase away these people? Drink this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so if you want less friends, drink this. <laughs> if you want to expand your crew, yeah, have yeah. a double show. Yeah. Have you ever wanted an excuse to stay inside all day? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. When I open, you said uh, when you dropped the. You know that made me curious. Like when you dropped the anchor and you can start drinking on the boat. Is that like officially? If a trooper comes out there, you can't get a DUI on that. Because well, I know, like, if you're in the truck or something and you're parked and the keys aren't with you and they're whatever and you're spending a night in your car or something, they can't give it to you. So I'm curious if there's, like, a fine line there somewhere with that or if anyone even knows. Oh, there's rules to that. But <clears throat> it's also a lot different, like, like a state trooper that were to pull you over on the highway versus a state trooper or a wildlife trooper or a Coast Guard that's going to board your boat. If you're safely on the hook and your engine's not running and you're clearly there, be kind of like more like an RV situation. I guess, suppose if you were caught sitting at the helm with the engine running and your hands on the wheel mm. and a fifth yeah. <laughs> in your, that's probably different, yeah, but trouble. yeah, I think that, um, I mean there, but that's a, man, that's a, like a whole other show, right? Like um, drinking and boating is no joke. Every no. there, everybody drinks in boats and by everybody, I mean, even people that don't drink a boat, they drink a boat, right? And it's it's a yeah, big, it's a a big glass of wine on the anchor up, or that's yeah. that's why I have a boat that goes eight knots because I can <laughs> I got a lot more time to make bad decisions. So <laughs> instead of going, you're go, what are you doing? Forty knots, something like that. Yeah, I yeah. can't I can't think that fast. I need to throttle <laughs> way back, thirty four. Yeah, something, yeah. I'm gonna run into that rock in two and a half hours, so I'm gonna finish this cocktail. <laughs> Then we're going to change course. <laughs> but it is something that people should know. I mean, like when, and Mikey, I spent a ton of time with Mikey at Big Lake doing, you know, wakeboarding and stuff when I was younger before I owned a boat. And um, that was a big, that's a big deal. You know, it's yeah. a different, that's a different, totally different setting. Like the, the, 
the law enforcement goes to the lake looking for you drinking, like yeah. after yeah. you drinking yeah. in the they have ocean. A task force for it. Yeah, in the ocean, it's different. I mean, like they're at least in Prince William Sound, where I spend all of my time. Like they're not out there looking for you drinking. They're definitely doing their checks and they're making sure everything's good. But they're like, do you got your safety equipment? Do you have all the right documentation? Mm -hmm. What's going? You know, do your kids have life jackets on if they're supposed to? Like. I love seeing that. Yeah. I always felt like mm -hmm. when I went to the lake, I was getting harassed. Yeah. But yeah, I they were trying to get deserved get it probably. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. How many times have you been boarded by someone? You know, uh, when we were before, when we were talking about the show, right? Like we we're talking about all the connections between, I've been at Alaska mining and diving for almost 20 years. And when I started, I was just slanging snowmobiles. I was the sled guy. I mean, I was selling tons of snow machines, hundreds of snow machines <clears throat> myself. And, uh, and that progressed into, you know, the older I got. And I grew up in Minnesota, so I was a boater. And I always wanted to be on the ocean. And my family, commercial fish out of Cordova. So there's a million pieces to the puzzle. But then I started doing more boat sales. And then I started doing boat commissioning and then that, and boat sea trials. And so sea trial is like, you buy a boat from me, from Alaska Mining and Diving. We do the whole build there. You do all the, you pick all the stuff. We install it all. I take the boat out without you and make sure everything's all good, right? And mm. it's all good. Um, then after it's all good, we bring it back. We clean the boat, fix anything that needs to be fixed, get it all detailed. Then I go and I say, hey, where do you want to do your boat? Where do you want your commissioning to be? And you'll say Seward or you'll say Valdez or most of the time it's Whittier because it's close and it's easy. And so I'd go to Whittier all the time. I, I mean, there was a time when we were sea trialing, I don't know, I mean, 20, 30, 40, 50 boats a year. It was all the time. And so I spent doing tons it every other day. of time. Yeah, always there. Uh, and then on top of that, because of what we do with boats and the way that our business operates, is like if you buy a new boat from me and you go out to launch on a Thursday and you've got a problem, I'm not like, oh, yeah, man, just bring it back. <laughs> you know, yeah. we'll take care of you. And you're like, yeah, no, I'm at the, we'll get it I'm at the dock month, yeah. with my family. Yeah. And this thing's dead. I, well, I'm getting in the truck and I'm driving down there and I'm getting you boating. That's yeah. that's what we do. But all those years, I'd never been boated by the Coast Guard. Like, it just it just never happened. And it was, I don't know, a catch all the weather ride. Or there's, and there's not a lot of traffic on Prince William Sound for law enforcement anyway, even on holiday, whatever. Mm -hmm. But I did get boarded with an entire family on board at one time. And he ended up, he did have firearms on the boat. And it was actually the day I learned that the inflatable PFD doesn't count as an adult in PFD unless it's on your person. So mm. if you're, you know, if you're, if you were in a situation where you were supposed to be in an adult PFD, or if you, if you like the four of us were boating and all we had on the boat was the inflatable PFD, it doesn't count. You got to go, you got to go get the right stuff. You're getting a ticket. Mm. It only counts if you're wearing it. So if we all had them on and you get boarded, oh. boom, then checks, it checks the box. Right. Yeah. But mm. so all the, you know, firearms have to get declared, uh, you know, who's been driving, has anybody been drinking and there that it's, it's a really awesome process when it's the coast guard, the coasties that come over on those, um, on, on the coast guard boats and they do like their, their situation is dialed, you know, oh, they, yeah, come they out, take it very seriously. Yeah. And they come out ready for not people like us. They come out ready for like the worst, right? Yeah. Like there's drug traffickers there's dudes on deck. They've got their rifles. Yeah. They're, they're asking all the right questions. It's a, it's a really cool process, but it's, yeah. it's not, I'm t I can imagine if you were doing some stuff, you, I know people that have been in those situations and you just, I don't, you don't want to be caught huh. in that situation mm -hmm. at all. No. We, we so sell all, we, we make sure every single boat goes in the water with all the right gear. Right. Like, mm. and that, that day we did have the right stuff on board because we always throw, we have a ditch bag or a throw bag, not really a ditch bag because a ditch bag is if you're boating, but we, when we do our commission, we have a, a throw bag and it has just the coast guard required stuff in it. And so we had what we needed, but 
the customer had just bought all the stuff. So he was like, yeah, here's my life jackets. And they're like, no, that ain't it. You know? And that just surprised me. He was like, Hey, we've got it right here. We had enough life jackets for everybody. And then kids don't count unless they're where, if they're outside the cabin on the back deck, there's don't count unless it's on them. Right. That's mm-hmm. another rule, you know? And so yeah. we, our family is like, we're super strict with that. If, a, if my kid doesn't have his life jacket on, I'd, Yep. duct tape them to the helm or something. That's right. Mm-hmm. Same here, man. Yeah. Yep. Not out. Not a lot out that back door. Yep. Hundred percent. Jacket. You said commission the boat. Like, what does that? What does that mean? Like, make sure everything's working with the guy. Well, see, I do sea trial is everything's working. Okay. So that's like, and I do that without the customers because it's boats, and if you've been around boats or own boats or whatever, like, almost never is it perfect the first time out, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so when you buy a boat of that magnitude, you buy something that's. 25 or plus feet you're spending a lot of money and a lot of po- folks that we've sell- sold to in alaska that we sell to in alaska like they're they've never owned a boat that size the the product the boat lines that we carry seem to attract like let's get a boat honey we have no experience mm-hmm. we should totally buy a boat and that is the best looking boat it's got the best reviews and everybody loves it and it's got all the comforts it's all the things that we all want like can i go shoot deer yes can i go fishing yes can i go fast yes can i turn on a dime and throw everybody out of the back of the boat yes mm-hmm. it doesn't go over 50 miles an hour yes boxes are checked and then the wife goes what's it like inside oh it's got super nice seats hard wood place to sleep heater, heater. <laughs> check check check, check yep so we get a lot of new boat owners right and so I, they just, the experience is so much better when I take the boat out and go through it. And then when I'm delivering it, then, so that's the sea trial. Then when I'm delivering it too, cause everybody asks for different stuff. We we're everything's fully custom. You want a, a Garmin, you want a Lowrance, you want a, whatever different screen, touch screen, not touch screen, different types of transducers, all that stuff. So it gives me the opportunity to learn the boat so that, and you're paying for commissioning. It's, it's not like it's a, it's a line item. Nobody ever says oh, no to it. Okay. We charge for that, but it's, it's, I've never, never had somebody say no. Like, and no, no, I'll do it myself. Don't worry about that. No, because they want, they want to know, like you buy, I mean, it's not like buying a car, right? Where like, yeah, the key goes there and stuff. Okay. I'll yeah. see you. The boat, the batteries are in a different place. The bilge pumps are in a different place. I go over all that stuff. Like mm. people, we, we, I talk to so many people and um, I spend a ton of time in Whittier, of course, like we talk about. And I talk to so many people that bought other brand boats and I, that I help a lot and they're, they mm. don't know where their bilge pump is. Like or the, where the second one is. They don't know where the spare battery is. Battery I don't know how switches. To, yeah. How to combine. And I'm like, yeah. mm-hmm. what did they do when you bought the boat? Well, they just, I mean, they took our money and yeah. it was a good experience. They're not upset wave. or anything, but they didn't understand that like it, and it takes a lot of effort. Let's say it consumes a ton of my time to do, but we have super loyal customers that buy boat after boat after boat and tell their friends to buy a boat because they get the experience. People that have been boating forever, they don't need that. Yeah. You know, they just, they're, and, they don't need that yeah mm-hmm. so that's commissioning yeah. got it yeah I, I like it i mean it's, it's a really hard part of my job well and then you yeah yeah <laughs> seems like the most part. fun it's like here's your brand new boat i gotta here's make sure this cool thing shit works. on it yeah <laughs> two days a week one day i'm out doing the sea trial and then, then on the friday when the, whenever the customer wants and i'm out on the water again and you know yeah and it seems like to get familiarized with a boat not that you're not familiar with the products you're selling anyway, but to familiarize yourself with that particular boat after you hung the Evan Roods on and you got them trimmed and you figured out all the sweet spots, then you can confidently show the consumer exactly how all this stuff works and how this boat reacts. Because even though they're the same boats, same models, same engines, doesn't it always seem like something's got to get tweaked a little bit? Every time it's different. Yeah. <clears throat> like, we, it's crazy. You know, again, people that know boating... Versus people that don't know boating, we every boat 
similarly propped like propping isn't scientific it's totally like an art because mm -hmm. if you equipped your boat differently with a generator and a fridge and stuff that's like two extra adults on board and so your your the pitch of your prop is different right that's like the, the size of your tire how much traction are you going to get in the water and so when we do a sea trial not only do we make sure it's propped right and i'll we'll, what we we offer we'll deliver it propped the way you've told me you're going to use the boat and within X number of time. And we're flexible with that because I don't know when you're going to get to get out and what you're going to do. If it's not propped right, I'll reprop it for you for free. Like that's oh, just part of the deal. Like I'm not going to send you out there with the wrong stuff, but also when we see trial, then I can say, Hey man, at this RPM with this much weight at 25% trim, it's 2.3 miles per gallon. And that's like Toyota Prius in a 30 foot boat. So I can give them that information by having used that boat. And every boat's a little mm. bit different. Mm. You know, one boat might get 2.3 and one might like 1.9. That's it. No matter what I do to prop it, it's to, whether, you know, engine height, how much spray on the motors. There's just so many things that cannot go right out of the gate that if we don't do that, then the, the customer experience goes yeah. totally downhill. Have you had something go seriously wrong and you could bring like a backup guy or something? Did, did you tell him what I was telling you in the hall? Mm -mm. Yeah. So, yeah, so yeah. <laughs> it's actually, it's a close conversation because the boat you own was... Well, my buddy, my buddy Eric owns, yeah. Okay, well, yeah. That, that, so that boat, well, whatever, that circumstance. Yeah. That, that boat was bought after this happened, mm. right? So he still bought a Kingfisher, and he didn't buy it from me, but I, we'll do, so we also will do um, a test drive, right? Like if I've got a boat that I can put in the water and put somebody on, mm -hmm. we'll take them on a test drive. And so they'll with, with customers serious about purchasing boat we'll qualify the customer and we'll take them out on the water. And I'll take them to Big Lake. Like you're not going to go take your Kingfisher to Big Lake. So <laughs> take you to Whittier or wherever we're going. And yeah, on the big water. It, the forecast was like, I think the forecast was like 15 and three, you know, mm. and I know better, right? It's 15 and three really means 25 and four, but I'm like, it's going to probably be 15 and three. Won't go far. Plus it's a 30. It's going to be fine. It'll handle the water. And chat. this was a guy that you guys know, and he'd like, I don't want to test drive a boat when it's flat calm. That's not what I'm going to be out uh -huh. doing, right? So anyway, we went out and sea trial the boat, and I, I just had happened to have on board with me a, a Ski-Doo rep. BRP, a guy from BRP was here because we were doing Ski-Doo Spring Fever at the time. So kind of similar, it was, but it was April. And uh, we get out there, and this boat that we had had every bell and whistle. Like it had every – it had 10-year advanced stuff from when we built it that it had like everything that you were going to get in years down the road. So it had power steering, electronic power steering and joystick control that everybody loves now. Right? Oh, so wow. on it. And, uh, I'd been having intermittent issues with steering, but I'm like, ah, it's been fine. It's not, it's not gonna be a big deal today. So I lost steering with the boat completely turned hard to starboard. So there's really no way to control that with the throttles when the boat, if, if it would have died somewhere in the middle of there, I could have, figured out I've, I, that I've had to get boats home limped home without steering from 50 miles out before. It's not a problem. This I couldn't fix. And now it's blowing 25 and it's like 25 and five at the head of the bay from the East. And so it's blowing in Whittier, blowing me towards the beach. Mm -hmm. oh, and I'm no. only maybe a quarter or half mile from the beach. Oh, so you're closing in quick. Yeah. So anchor goes out at whatever, you know, I had 600 feet of anchor open chain on board, but I couldn't put that much out because that would have swung me into the rocks, right? So I put out about 250 or 260 feet and it caught, but then I'm stuck. Now I'm sitting there. Yeah, swung. And I don't know what to do. So I called Lazy Otter and the, the owners later, they're, they're great people. And Mike was like, yeah, yeah I, can, I can get out there to you. It's going to be kind of nasty. And I'm like, well, I don't have a choice. There's nobody else you can call. Sito wasn't here at the time and you can't call the harbor that you can't call the way you can't call any harbor and have them come out in five foot season and help you. <clears throat> anyway, I get out, he gets over to me and we're getting figured out how to get the boat towed and I'm on the bow 
of the boat and it's blowing it is cold and yeah april burr i've got hit we've got a line over the rail tied off to a cleat to try to get the slack off the anchor so i can pull the anchor in well the anchor winch dies at the moment that i'm trying to get then oh, <laughs> i can't get it so i can't get it off the hook i'm so cold at this point and the customer's inside the boat with his friend he's inside the cabin right warm heat's on lights are going and i'm like i'm gonna die out here i'm gonna fall off this boat <clears throat> and i i go to grab my knife and cut the lines so i'm like i'm just gonna that anchor's yeah. gonna go bye-bye we're gonna cut the line and i can't use my hands oh they're just froze up completely numb i'm like the knife is like fall i can't i just can't so i like bang on the window and i'm like wilson man you gotta come help me he comes flying out and we cut the line and my leg is like under the line between the because of course i'm you're not thinking you're, everything's in a hurry and that their boats are smashing together. So I'm trying to keep the boats apart. This is a really expensive boat. Yeah. Uh, anyway, they got us towed back into the Harbor and a uh, customer thanked me for the experience. And I was like, ah, I found a really good deal on a boat. down <laughs> southeast. I can't test up on it. I'm like, Oh no. But to this day, he's a great, he's a really awesome guy. And, uh, and we've been, I, w I wouldn't call us friends, but definitely acquaintances ever since. And like, I have no hard feelings, but like that was probably because he didn't own the boat. I was trying to sell him that boat and I should have just should have never went out. But I asked him, you know, I was like, Hey, it's going to be, it's going to be a little choppy. And so no, nah, that's going to be perfect. You know, I never, probably never. Wasn't that one a 30 footer? That was a 30. Yeah. yeah it was a 30. That was mm -hmm. like the biggest biggest at the, one at the time at right? the time yeah 500 horsepower 54 mile an hour boat that got like 2.5 miles per gallon which ironically is available on consignment for sale right now oh wow no is kidding right yeah that the owner that did ended up buying a bunch of you put a bunch of time on it um not a lot of time but a bunch of time the kids all went fishing and stuff and now they're all off the college and so he's looking for something different so uh, those problems are all problems of the past too but um that's yeah. just what that's what's, what comes with boating you know like there's uh, there's things that happens with boats that you fix them and you move on, you know? Yeah. But How big is Kingfisher going now? 34. 34. 34 with uh, 900 horsepower on a triple bracket. So you can go trip trip threes wow. or you can go you twin three? 350s. Yeah. Wow. Not knocking What's on 60 miles an hour. What's that? What's the bow? What's the bow? The width. Oh, 10.5 on that. Un they're all under 11. Yeah. Um tunnel width yeah. is 11 mm -hmm. max so we work with them to keep everything yeah yeah the, even the big boys are just under that and the, the 34 footer at just under 11 is a big beamy boat the 34 footer has got a v-berth in the front plus different than the 28s and 30s it's got a mm -hmm. um berth underneath the dinette wow. so it'll sleep six wow yeah it's come a long way sounds like a yeah huge but in boat tech not mm -hmm. like we should do this show in like two years because boat technology is about to blow everybody's mind. Like there's some stuff coming that is just so cool. Like what? Oh, uh, well, first of all, design like aluminum boats, right? If you're, if you've got an, if you're an aluminum guy or a fiberglass guy, guy and you look at the differences, fiberglass has all kinds of cool different stuff you can do in the molds, right? But everything that gets done in an aluminum boat has to get cut and welded and yeah, finished yeah. whatever. Aluminum boat builders are figuring out how to do that stuff now though. Like, oh. oh, I mean like, super tight much tighter tolerances like you know waste basket like could you imagine on the back deck of your of your king of a kingfisher if i had like a pull-out waste basket that's oh, just for garbage sweet. what's the th what's the, what's always hanging around on the back deck Freaking a stupid loose, cars bag garbage yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. but beer bottles Five are falling out of bucket. it yeah. yeah so this like little things yeah. like that or like you walk in the back door and the full glass back door and then the window next to the back door you walk up to the dash and you hit the button it goes oh. drops down 
Yeah. So then the whole back of the boat is open to the salon where like maybe your wife is in there and she does want to be a part of it, but you're out fishing out back with your yeah. son or your, the boys and she's in there and not, you know, I don't want to be outside. It's not the greatest. Well, you open, turn the furnace on down the, the tinted smoke glass. And now all the windows are like, you know, flush on the side, mm -hmm. the diamond sea glaze, metal framed old school window. That's yeah, all yeah. going to be things of the past, man. It's just, yeah. uh, it, super cool. And obviously outboard technology is just like, yeah. it's yeah, racing like crazy right now it is and uh, you know when you were mentioning all that i, I remember um i was going to share a story and and how it pertains to boat and aluminum design and and just saltwater aluminum boats in general i remember i was on a flight one time from uh fairbanks or homer uh no i'm sorry kenai or homer uh, on a work trip and i had a fish alaska or no i had a um a northwest fisherman magazine or something i was yep. reading and it, they had an article about how the saltwater industry and, and aluminum boats was about to blow up. And this was like maybe 2005, 2006, I think. Um, whereas like North River, um, Woolrich, uh, uh, Weldcraft, um, uh, you know, all these like, uh, you know, first really generation like jet boat, in, inboard jet boat manufacturers were shifting gears to offshore yep and um would, would you say that with your transition from being a snowmobile slanger um would you say that's kind of when it started for you was maybe in that time frame where you know the 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 aluminum boat industry just started to shift heavily towards the offshore market First, I don't know how you have such a good memory into when things like that happen. It just, it always That's stuck with me because I was crazy. always like, because they were like, 15 years from now, it's going to look like this. 20 years from now, it's going to look like this. And it has been to the T, man. Because that's to about, the T. Yeah, that's about, that's about right. And the timing would be about right. Like mm -hmm. in late 2000s, I would have been at mining and diving since the rev was released in 04. And so we're knocking on 2010. And all those boat manufacturers, and Kingfisher is no different. Kingfisher was Jetcraft, and Jetcraft was yeah, like yeah, fast. Yeah, I meant to say Jetcraft, fast yeah. river boats, mm -hmm. Snake River, Idaho, like all that stuff, yeah, right? Like yeah, a billion miles shallows, an hour. Yeah. Yep. And then there was there was a shift, right? Like the fiberglass boat manufacturers, they owned that. I mean, the if you can't walk a single dock in any harbor and not see fifty bayliners that were built between nineteen eighty and nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, you just can't. You mm -hmm. don't even know they're bayliners in some sense. It's like that's a cool looking boat. And then somebody's like, no, that's a garbage bayliner. But they're not. They made, bayliner made boats up to fifty seven feet at one uh -huh. time, right? Yep. Yep. But it was all glass, everything. And then, then that's and that's exactly what happened is when we started building. And I wasn't involved in this process. The founder of our company, Dudley Benish, and I and since they found the company in 1976 and dan martin was our boat manager at the time they went to kingfisher and jetcraft and they weren't making any cabin cruisers but they're like we're selling ospreys and sea sports mm. and the interiors of those boats were super nice yeah right? your boat shows back had then. a lot of yeah. had a lot of glass boats back in the day it did and Big so boat shows and stuff but then as the price of these boats starts to go up now the, the and this is this is really what happened the woman becomes a big part of the conversation she's like i'm not buying that aluminum boat with that aluminum cabinet and that aluminum counter and those hard mm. plastic seats so we went to Kingfisher and pioneered it. Like they literally, Dudley and Danny pioneered turning the interior of an aluminum boat into the interior of a fiberglass boat. Right. A luxury mm -hmm. feel. Yeah, I mean, we were the first to do hardwood and all the nice vinyl. You don't, it's you don't see a lot of leather because it doesn't stand out of the saltwater. But the vinyls, the wood doors, the the nice seats, the air. Like we we 
pioneered all that stuff. Yeah. And quickly everybody was like, yeah, that's legit. Cause uh, you know, like, uh, especially in the Pacific Northwest, a heavy gauge aluminum offshore boat, that's what people, they're, that they're just, it's less maintenance. It's, it's, there's a lot of things that it is right. Yeah. That people really love. And so that's exactly around the time that happened. And then since then, there's there's really a definitive there's two different types of people that love glass boats right i own a glass boat i've this is my second large glass boat that we we own i've owned a lot of other glass boats and for my type of boating i love a glass boat because i'm you know i'm eight and a half knots i like a cruise yeah Mm -hmm. but if i was if i was into fishing like my kid likes to fish but we're like you want to fish for 15 minutes and if we don't catch anything let's go do something else yeah but if you're into fishing or you're into going faster you're a weekend warrior and you don't have a lot of time Mm. you can't my wife doesn't work she homeschools the kids i've been at the company a long time i've got plenty of time i can take off so i can take a four-day weekend i can take a three-day weekend i can go on a wednesday whatever if you if you're like man i'm i'm at that point in my life i'm hustling but i really want to get out you get out like a kingfisher and that's why they sell so well you get out on a friday night it's sunny until 2 a.m yep you're to the fishing grounds and you're not even going to sleep you're fishing you're fishing all weekend and then you're flying back if they're perfect for that so you get the best of both worlds right it's a great point and where we're at now is that i'm just i didn't even think we would talk about that tonight but like it's gonna go next level. another level if you just spend a little bit of time snooping around at what they're like like go to look at what the boat builders in new zealand are doing mm. it's it's mind-boggling you you would never even assume it's a, a fiber a, a, an aluminum boat look at even coastal craft you know those are built in the pacific northwest they're a very high-end aluminum but it's an aluminum boat that looks like a high performance sports like car stabby craft kind of almost Stab, sta- stabby craft is stabby um craft? They're still a little more utilitarian, doing nice stuff in the cabin, but yeah. there's a couple of other boat brands out there that are making their way to the U.S. that are built in New Zealand that are... I'll give you the names of them later. I don't sell them, so I don't want to drop their yeah, names yeah, yet. Yeah, no, no, that's fine. Yeah, no free ads, right. no free ads. But it, but it yeah. just tells you... <laughs> It just tells you that there's so much coming, right? Yeah. Like yeah. the innovation, pe- people are demanding more and and they're not going to buy unless they get it. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah, and it's creating a, a lot of... Um, variety in the market right it, it kind of used to just be like you bought a bayliner and harbor craft and jet craft had a boat and you know woolrich got woolrich got in the game they were 70s and 80s that were badass inboard jet boats you know and then jack's got a beautiful um what's the model of yours is a is it a ocean cruiser or what do they call that thing it's a woolrich pilot house super sport that's right the super sport and they all shifted toward this like new you know, it was like a paradigm shift in this, the whole market. And now there's all these like different brands. And I know there's a lot of Alaskan made ones. Yeah. Um, there's another new Alaska brand coming out soon too. You know, there are a lot of utility built and custom welders. And then today there's a lot more like local welders that are, you know, designing and building their own boats mm-hmm. too. So I, I dig it, man. I think it's cool. It kind of just used to be kind of pigeonholed to just a couple of brands. And now, you know, there's, there's a lot of options. And then obviously the Kingfisher, man, there's, it's hard to beat a Kingfisher. It is, but there, there is a lot of like, I, I'm never the guy that tells somebody there's not multiple boats to look at, you know, sure. but you I love boats. You love boats. I mean, it doesn't, and, and it doesn't I, matter. And the way I feel about it is it's the same. I feel about with snowmobiles is I feel like if, if as long as we get somebody into boating, mm-hmm. now we got them into boating. That's a good start. They got friends that wanted, they're going to get into boating too. That's how our, that's how our business partners in the salt business, they went out boating with us. And like, we even had a conversation at dinner last week and, uh, Dory was like, I can't believe you guys let us come on your boat with you. 
like, I would never do that. And we're like, what do you mean? They know it's this tight space. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of people on a boat, two full families, all of our dogs and stuff. They own boat now. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. how you do that, right? So I always yeah, be like, get them. yes, I want you to buy what we sell when it comes to the store. And that's what we do at the store. But I just firmly believe, the same with Snowmobile. If people come in like, yeah, I don't have that model anymore. And you really don't, this is not going to work for you. You're going to be so bummed on this super wide track, 24 inch turbo, trying to go ice fishing with your kids or something, whatever, right? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I don't have what you, you, here's some other options that you might have, right? You're, I feel like you're so much better off giving the customer the right information than you are just selling it to them because, yeah, you know, because they need to have totally. it. So, and so for sure, I think Kingfishers are some of the sexiest boats on the water when it comes to heavy gauge aluminum boats. And they listen to us when we ask for changes and in, in innovation or whatever. And now they're owned by this company that, and it's funny you talk about like these, these up and coming companies and all this stuff. And like mm -hmm. Kingfisher is now owned by um, a different buying group and they own like seven brands and they own brands mm. now that are so big they're building like several hundred foot boats in the pacific northwest right like they're not they're buying up brands like weldcraft is owned by the same parent company that kingfisher is owned by as an example and then some of the other brands they just like you're like wow that looks a lot like that boat and you're like well yeah that's that guy's brother they got in a fight but it's cool because yeah. it totally drives innovation because the one guy's holding him back and then another guy's like fine i'm done then if you're not going to listen to me i'm not going to go along with it and that's like the story of how boat building comes along Woldridge really has is. been yeah. a pioneer in like all kinds of breakthroughs in aluminum offshore boating and they were known for crazy outboard jet boats in yeah. the rivers you know yeah. like yep. that, that whole yeah. thing is just cool i, I really, really appreciated Woldridge. all that kind of issues that i've ever had i mean i call down there and i talk to one of the brothers yep it's insane and they're like they know my boat they know which one they know when they built it and they know all the like well you know we didn't like this about it so we did these other things and here's some things you can do to your boat to modify it to look like the future nice. ones. So that's important it's it been is. pretty rad yeah. let's yeah. take a quick second here and give a shout out to some of the sponsors barney sports chalet supplying hunters with the best hand selected gear since 1963 Barney specializes in supplying hunters with the absolute best Alaskan proven gear on the market for some of nature's most rugged and demanding terrain. Whether you're headed to the remote volcanic islands of the Alaska Peninsula in search of a brown bear or the shale infested glacial valleys of the Brooks Range for dull sheep, it is critical you choose the right gear for your dream hunt. Don't miss Barney's exclusive brand, Frontier Gear of Alaska, tested from the high mountains of Tajikistan to the extreme conditions of Alaska. These products were designed for high performance and durability. Frontier gear was derived from decades of experience hunting big game in Alaska. Paired with other top brands, it provides you the absolute best gear selection anywhere in the world. Stop in at Barney Sports Chalet in Anchorage on Northern Lights or check out their custom website and reference tool at barneysports.com. Arbor Digital, based in Anchorage, Alaska, is your go-to wealth management company. Arbor Digital is at the forefront of digital assets and cryptocurrencies. If you've been looking to invest your hard-earned money or just want to learn more about crypto, blockchain technology, or digital investments, give their website acminc.com a visit. What's great about Arbor is they provide a low-cost, transparent, research-based investment strategy for digital assets and traditional investments as well. ACMINC.com is your first step in putting your money to work. Let one of Arbor's investment professionals walk you through your options for financial growth and security. Start investing for the future today at ACMInc.com. Arbor Digital, your Alaskan digital asset company. 
Total Truck and Alaska Overlander, Alaska's premier supplier for custom automotive accessories and overlanding products, providing all-inclusive rental vehicles and trailers custom outfitted to explore the Alaskan backcountry with a unique and convenient traveling experience. At Total Truck, you can find brands such as ARE, RSI Smart Caps, Goose Gear, iCamper, Roam, Frontrunner, Rigid Lights, and everything you need to outfit your SUV or your truck. Alaska Overlander provides rentals of 4x4 vehicles and expedition trailers custom modified for Alaskan adventures and outfitted with rooftop tents, fridges, and all the camping and cooking gear you need to get out and start exploring. Visit them at alaskaoverlander.com. Yeah, we're pretty lucky as far as that goes. It's good. Yeah, so on the break there, um, I had asked Nick about – a sailing experience, which I thought was from Pacific Northwest, like Oregon, Washington, or British Columbia area, but you guys bought a boat in Los Angeles. Hold on, hold on. Oh, oh that was a crispy okay, go ahead. one, dude. <laughs> I missed it again. Will yeah, there be another you, opportunity? You, you There'll can, be one more actually, opportunity. Actually, you can do it anytime, actually. Yeah, <laughs> just whatever, and just stop. Caribou call, yeah, I mean, you, you, the you caribou can just interrupt. They literally just, just run into the room. Do they? Yeah. That's probably been my problem the last couple of years, then. Why yeah. you haven't shot any caribou? Yep. You didn't take a call or what? Listen, I've been the, some <laughs> of those shows I've I've listened to recently because I'm like I'm missing something this last couple of years. But really, I'm just we, like just like the fishing, just like it just come, There's a lot of luck involved in that. Oh no doubt. There's some technique which I have all of clearly yeah. that just doesn't work on some of these animals who are super stubborn. But this this call I have not tried. Mm. Yeah. yeah, we I found out it. officially through chad that caribou calls do work oh i i listened to that exact session I'm like I, Ch- chad's a friend of mine and he yeah. was the customer until he jumped ship to the other brand he X, did. but he did. but um i uh, <laughs> i currently have a caribou tag still through the end of march oh i okay. don't know that i'm gonna get out and i'm gonna have to because he can't draw a tag and not go but i just don't know when but i'm gonna try oh, no. the tags don't, the calls don't work very good in the winter time but yeah, you're gonna have to drink it quick. Dude. <laughs> That's <laughs> not a problem. <laughs> Do the tag the tags come out on Friday? The, yeah, no, next month, yeah. Month, Ooh, month, yeah. Man, are we gonna be high fiving next week? Yeah. Dude. Yeah, man, I hope, hope so. so. That'll be super rad if we all can high five. It's it's like to me, it feels like Christmas. You're either gonna get like a really cool present under the tree <laughs> or coal, man. It's like one or the other. I just get boxers. <laughs> Which are excellent. Sometimes the tier, I need them the by then one. too, man. I need. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so you you that was what like uh, maybe in the last like was in the last ten years? Yeah, it was tenish years. I, yeah. I would have to look in my memories. You know, I'd have to have Siri help me figure that out. And I don't know, like originally how I caught wind of that. Um, maybe it was Candace that mentioned that you guys had purchased a boat, and mm-hmm. or I, you know, what I think Bree had had texted her oh we're going and we're sailing our boat back and i was like damn man that's gangster that's a hell of a what a like trip of a lifetime i thought what was the route well that's what i was gonna ask like give us a little (laughs) insight on that on that whole thing and that experience um first off what kind of boat did you buy what time of year was it and then go from there well i don't remember what time of year it was but i know i know what happened okay and (laughs) was it cloudy Oh, it was cloudy. A little windy? <laughs> Sometimes. The swell was on. It was, uh, it was a fun trip because the, tri- the trip actually took like almost eight months. 
Like there was a Holy lot of shit. flying back and forth and getting stuck places and breaking oh, wow. stuff and being scared out of my mind. And, and so we had like, we've always had boats. Like, I got boats on big lake and like I've always had boats, but at this time we didn't have a boat. My, my, my mom lived in Cordova at the time and she's a commercial fisherman and they had this bow picker and they're like, we're done. Like, we're just over it. Fishing was bad and they're getting older and we're done. So we're going to, they couldn't get the permit and the boat sold together. So they broke it apart, got the permit sold. She got this boat. I don't know what to do with it. I'm like, how much you want for it? She tells me, she's, I think it was 25 grand. She's like 25 grand. It's like 32 foot, uh, fiber craft, a beautiful bow picker, single 454 big block, or whatever in immaculately maintained. I'm like, I'm going to pull the reel off that. I'm going to put a crane. I'm going to put two CDs on it. My family, when I get it, when I grow a family, cause I didn't have a kid then. So this was probably maybe 11, 12 years ago. Mm -hmm. And, um, I'm like, that's going to be our Prince William sound cruiser. For 25,000 bucks, of course I'm going to do that. And I had been around, I'd been around boats now at mining and diving for a while for the, and I'd been like, okay, we're going to get back into the saltwater thing. Like that's something I'm going to do. When I moved to Alaska, when I was 10, we grew up on a, like everybody, a 16 foot Zodiac in a 40 horse tiller motor run around Southeast shooting stuff and killing stuff oh, and almost right. dying, right? Like put it into a box and ship it down there and go do that. So I was like, well, that's not how I'm going to raise my family because I'll, they'll probably all die. So I'm not <laughs> going to do. So I go over there with my now father-in-law and now brother-in-law and we go over to, to Cordova to get the boat. It's in storage in the Orca can the cannery over there. And if you know anything about Cordova politics or whatever, it's like horrible or was horrible back then. I couldn't get the boat out. He's like, yeah, I'm not going to, you're going to have to wait two days before I can get the boat out. It was dry docked up on, up on, inside. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so like, okay, fine. We'll get some maintenance done. We'll get ready to go. We flew, I flew them over there. We flew, we fly over there to get the boat. And, uh, it's like the first night and like 11 o'clock at night, it's bang, bang, bang on the bottom of the boat. I'm still drinking. My father, my now father-in-law is asleep. Me and the, my brother-in-law now are up at the table and just whatever, you know, we're in this warehouse in a boat, but we're on a boat, you know? <laughs> yeah. And now we're drinking and this guy's like, Hey, I heard your, this boat's for sale. You know? And I'm like, no man, I just, just bought it. You know, just bought it, taking it home. I'm going to raise my family. And he's like, that's bullshit. It's like, everything's for sale. And this is his Texas accent. Cause I can't do Texas, but he's like, everything's for sale, you know? And I'm like, yeah, man, everything's for sale. I was like, pick a number. And I'm like, uh, it's not for sale. It's not for sale. So I, I'm like, give me a second. And I think, I think I called my mom at that point in time because I just bought the boat from her. I paid her 25 grand for the boat. And uh, I don't think I called her yet, actually. So now that it's coming to me, I think I'm, I'm outside. He's down and I'm like, 40,000 bucks. Fine. 5 a.m. So you get the cafe. I write you a check. I'm like, fuck. Are you serious? What am I supposed to do? I'm like, hold on a second. <laughs> I call my mom and I'm like, mom, I got this problem. I know I just paid you for the boat, but this guy wants to give me like almost double what I paid you for. Like, take the money, 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 sell the boat, take the money. <laughs> Didn't care about what I wanted to do or whatever. She's just like, oh my God, that's amazing. You yeah. know? So I'm like, so I'm like, okay, sorry. So I take the money and uh, I give my mom five more, five grand from that money. Cause I'm, I felt bad. I'm like, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, but, but just, I was a little bit of what is mine. Cause you know, I mean, we obviously I was made there. It happen, yeah. yeah. So anyway so and he's like all right so we, we meet him and he gives me some earnest money and he's going to transfer some money we verify all that stuff and he's, i was like well what the fuck do we do now i'll put you on the ferry you guys can go back to whittier and go home and i'm like okay so i literally had this huge dream i'm going to put this boat in prince William Sound. i'm going to raise a family on it i'm going to do all this adventuring and that's the only way at the time that's the only way i could afford to do it 25 grand shit yeah i mean yeah. that's fine yeah and uh tried and true proven sound boat anyway absolutely right, right? Yeah, like yeah. i'm that's perfect for me and uh and so I'm driving back on the ferry and I talked to my now wife, but we were, we did it together. You know, we were partners then. And, and, and it was like, yeah, we'll just, we'll shop. We'll just wait. You know, that's a pretty, you know, we just made some pretty quick up. money. Let's put that in the bank and we'll do boating later. 
under six months later, I'm flying to LA to see trial a 1979 Universal Marine twin diesel Litton trawler with, <laughs> with my wife. And we found one. And at the time, the mar- this is like, you know, now I know that I know the time for now because it was right after the crash. This is like 09. And so down there, stuff is just cheap. Oh, you yeah, got a yeah. screaming deal. And I remember, I remember finding some boats and I remember talking to Dudley. And at my name, last my name, I was like, man, I don't know what to do. I was like, it's, it's a really good deal. Like these boats, this boat, this boat was a hundred and they wanted a hundred and like 69,000 for the boat way out of my price range. And then it was like 119,000. And then it was like 109,000 all in like 10 days. I'm like, what's going on with this boat? <laughs> We're going down to look at it. We get down there's 99,000 and Drop we made, it. we, we made an, we, so we go out, we, we take, see trial the boat, get a little bit of the backstory, which I feel sort of bad about now, but you know, sickness in the family. So they mm. never could get to the boat from wherever they lived in like in Nevada or something. And the boat's immaculate 36 foot Litton trawler, like the good old Taiwanese heavy Ford Lehman m- motors in it. And it, it just had that smell and all that wood. And we just fell in love with it. Mm. And I offered the, I offered him 35 and he called the guys like, all right. When can you take it? <laughs> Shit. Now we have to buy it from 170 grand. Yeah. And at the time, a few years ago, that would have probably been the market value of the boat. But these, all these boats like that, that were in really good shape, were holding a high value. Mm-hmm. You can now buy a 36 foot tri cabin or whatever for 40 grand, 50 grand all day. All the time. All the, yeah. Yeah. All the aluminum boats. Yeah. yeah. And then it was like, okay, so now it's in LA. <laughs> <laughs> and at the time I was traveling once a month for work easily to the West coast. We we're always having dealer meetings and I was doing a lot of training as Dudley was getting ready to exit the business and we were becoming employee owned company. So all I was down there a lot. So I'd, I'd do a meeting and I would go to LA and I would do some work and I replace this, put a new electronics in it and GPS and all this stuff. And then we just made a plan and I'd fly some friends down like that had boating experience and we would do a leg. And then we would do a leg and like, that's the, that's how I experienced Southern California. I had lived in California for a little bit North, in Northern California when I was little, but I like San Luis Obispo, Morro Bay, all those places that are like kind of collegey towns. Yeah. Like we ended up stuck in uh, Morro Bay for 10 days in foul weather. And I had to go to the Morro Bay yacht club and get a mooring ball. And right across from Morro Bay is this like giant sand dune area. We played golf every day for like a week. It was like the coolest experience, but we ran into tons of weather. We ran into mechanical issues. So I burned up every air mile I had flying myself and my friends back and forth to help because I'd never did any of the legs by myself. Finally, it gets to be close to winter time, and I'm like, I've got the boat to Half Moon Bay, right, which is just a little bit south of San Francisco Bay Area, and I can't, I don't have any more time left. Like the business is getting really busy. I've got a lot, I've got mm-hmm. obligations, and I'm like, I called my buddy Doug Phillips from Cordova, and I'm like, hey man, when you get on the fishing season, you want to bring my boat the rest of the way up for me? He got it to Seattle, and then it just, it just got stuck. Oh, Mike, Mike Phillips, boy, Doug. I don't Mike, know Mike, Doug's dad's name. Mike passed away. Um, Years ago in uh, Valdez. Um, Could be. Yeah, D- Dougie Russell's wrestler. No, I don't think so. He's a big-time jet skier. He just won a championship down in, yeah. like, okay, yeah, that's my I cousin. Rock. Yeah, that's my, that's <laughs> my cousin, <laughs> Phil, from Valdez. Um, it's on his mom's okay. side. That's his See, cousin, that, Doug, man. man. Yeah. Yeah, Full connection. Doug, man. Yeah. yeah. So he brought my boat from Morro Bay to Seattle and he had to go in like the Columbia bar and do all that other crazy shit. And I was, I, whenever I'd ask him how it was going or how it went, he'd like, we're just not going to talk about it. 
Oh, like that, like bad. Like he just it was horrible, right? So, so it gets to Seattle and it sat there for a year. I put it in a really nice marina shill show. My wife and I went down several times. Went did this cruise of San Juan's. Went to Bell Harbor, right downtown Seattle, and went like did the nightlife and yeah. then stayed on the boat because it was there, right? Yeah. Like we'll just do oh, that. That must be fun. fun. It was epic. I went down. It spent the winter there, so went down like did the Christmas boat light parade deal stuff, yeah, you know. Yeah. Wow. And then ended up I just literally ran out of time with work and things got to be said to cradle the boat i flew down by myself cradled the boat up put it on a, sh a ship and picked my brother at the time worked for carlisle <laughs> and so we went down with a semi picked it up and brought it up to last mining and diving put it on the hard stripped all the paint off the bottom of the boat did the bottom did the keel did the side we rolled and tipped you ever done that mm -mm. old school like roll the paint on and then tip it to look like it got done at a in a in a paint booth rolled rolled and tipped the whole boat Hours and hours of work. so much time, and then we we put it on a truck, took it to Seward, put it in the water, brought it to Whittier. That's oh, that boat. Okay, so you didn't sail it. We had to skip the, the whole. The whole dream was to do the inside passage. Like that's why okay. we started it, mm -hmm. and then had to skip the whole <laughs> thing. Just yeah. not enough time, and, and now we're going to do it in reverse because now I'm getting so old, I'm going to have to retire and go south with me, <laughs> ah, and then just stay down there. Yep. But Chris and Chris and Dory just keep are, on moving on down to Mexico. Our <laughs> Christmas, our, our our business partners and our and our and our friends, we spent a lot of time boating together that first their first summer, and in, in Whittier, and they helped us. Like we we just ended up uh, there's there's more tragic stories to boat ownership, but mm. we ended up having to gut the entire interior of the cabin of the boat after one winter of total destruction. And uh, my good friend Dave, we redid all the woodwork, did all the stuff. Chris and Dory helped us paint and stain just countless, countless, countless nights of doing all this work. And and um, we get the boat, like, just about ready. We're like, this is going to be 10 more years on this boat. No problem. Like, it's got lots of life left in it. It's really safe. Big boat for the kids. And then this other boat pops up for sale that I've always admired, you know. And it's, like, two slips down. Mm. I'm like, I have to have that boat. And if you... Or a boat owner and you know anything like you're there's you're gonna sell everything you're gonna get that boat like you're gonna <laughs> you want it that sell bad, drugs yeah. it doesn't matter you're gonna get that boat <laughs> and so we did so now i've got the problem is i've got two boats in the in the whittier harbor right one in the private side leasing a slip and then one in transient mortgage on the other side and we got super blessed and found a buyer uh yeah. just outside of valdez and copper center that bought the other boat and it lives in valdez now and we like to go visit the boat you know like it's like yeah, family I see it yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but now we have a, a newer, picture. less maintenance, which is good because I have a 10-year-old, a 2-year-old, and about to be infant. That 1979 naturally aspirated twin diesel old trawler was... Lots of work. Oh, man. And there's yeah, other things... Yeah, and like, what do you have now? I have a... Uh, we have an Elbin 36 Express. Sweet. With a my first cat. So I like... Oh, yeah, diesel I pusher. I finally can now have a... like. You know, a cat, cat hat. Oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. I've won cat the dream. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just sits on yeah. the dash right How wide is it? It's, uh, that's, this one's 12, nine, or other one was like 13 and a half. Okay. But it's, uh, it's got a 450 horse cat single in it. Just hmm. like a school bus on steroids. Yeah. And they call yeah. it a school bus when you fire it up, you know, like the exhaust is like eight inch. Yeah. Exhaust. Yeah, and black poof sounds like a, oh yeah, it sounds mm -hmm. like a big old school bus. Mm -hmm. But when the turbo, you're pushing a 26,000 pound boat with a 450 horsepower single diesel if you like that sort of thing yeah yeah, yeah. i yeah. think i could go to sleep on that boat mm -hmm. I, my kids sleep like a baby on that boat real, real and it's got a shower and the whole nine right just 
Yeah. You know, for us, it was like, and, and you can get into, but like, that's the funny thing is like, I sell boats that are expensive and it's not that, an, you know, my boat's not expensive, but it's a, it's less money. It's a lot more affordable for a family that's doesn't have a lot of money to spend on a boat. And we didn't have a lot of money to spend on a boat at a time at the time. And this was a tough boat for us to get into too, but it was like, we needed to have a couple of bedrooms, right? Needed to have a master and then a, a bunk room for the kids. And it needed to have a, a head with a stand-up shower. It needed to have mm-hmm. lots of storage. And we needed to have a covered back deck. And we had already started the salt company at the time. So I knew I needed to be able to get water on and off the boat. And so this boat did that quite a bit better than the other boat and, and more reliably. And it would take sort of the wear and tear. So it was like the company had nothing to do with the purchase of the boat or any support, yeah. but as the way I justified in my mind, right? I'll go, if this business is going to work. We've got to buy this boat. It's the only way. It's the only way, honey. It's the only way. And, uh, and we're stoked. It, just like anything, any other boat, it's, it's got things we don't like about it, but it's got a lot of things we love about it. And the most, the, the thing I love the most, we keep our boat in the water year round. So we print, we boat in Prince William sound all year. Yeah. I was just out on go the water on, on Saturday. It was epic. It was 40 degrees. Sun was out flat calm you could see your face from two miles away but it was so oh. good and you can't do that if you don't do that you know? yeah and there and the beauty of that is that the summer is you got that boats running back and forth all week long guys doing the hardcore fishing there's probably nobody out there no it's, i mean there's probably the tugs and the in the linden guys running back and forth but well in the even in the winter or just even in the no, summer when you're no the right now like if you're going out boating not there ain't a, nobody yeah ain't no one out there not there was nobody on the water on saturday but me me oh, and my 10 awesome. year old my two-year-old that was it that's cool I love that's that, awesome. Man. What do you do with snow load and stuff? Are you driving down? You got the guys down there helping? Or? Well, I'm pretty unfortunate that I have an, this other business that I've mentioned a few times yeah, that yeah. I'm down there a lot for that right now because right. when mm. when Chris and Dory come on the show, yeah. so can I say that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're going to talk about some like news that we have to share, yeah. but that's a lot of work and that's like a lot of after hours like and I know you do it you know yeah, you, yeah. you let me into your world a little bit last week and like it's a lot of after hours so I'm down there a lot yeah and so I have the ability to shovel like I am my my emergency contact yeah. but I've got some really good people in town that when it gets bad like it's been a couple times this year when it's like I can't get down there tonight can you please shovel and it's done you know but oh, you man that's cool you have to because it's you, that's something you just can't let go because when yeah. it's too late, it's already too late. You aren't shoveling your way out of that situation. Yeah. You know, if you got scupper mm-hmm. drains that are clogged mm-hmm. and a bilge pump that's down, it's it's game over so fast. Yeah, yeah. and your boat is ruined. I mean, there's yeah. there's you there is salvage, but yeah. your, your boat's ruined. Yeah, that boat next to the Lester's went down. Was it last year? Mm-hmm. Man, that was so sad. We were we were there when it when they were lifting it. My my oh, kiddo yeah. and I went down to the dock and watched them. The lazy otter lifting it with the airbags, and this it's sad. The owner was right there, you know, and he knew exactly what happened. Yeah, you know, it, and it, it's a bummer. But yeah, you have to. It's fun. But there's a ton of work that comes with it because, and especially in like these, you know, Valdez and Whittier, especially, it can snow literally. Chris and I went down one one night because it snowed all day, and we were smart. We loaded our sleds up and brought all our riding gear, and we were going to ride. We sh- we got onto the back of my boat, the old boat, and it was it was nipple deep. No kidding. From that day, God. and we shoveled all that and tired as all could be and then we rode yeah. pow in town for two or three hours. <laughs> so there's some benefits to that but you have to catch it in time because it snows and then it almost always rains right yeah, after right. Yeah. so you got to catch it before because if, if you shovel it while it's dry it's not that bad but when that when that moisture hits the snow mm-hmm. and that's it does become um and the wind blows so it can it can build up on one side cause yeah. the boat to list and then she goes yeah. over yeah. 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 
Can you uh, run us down with the uh, history of the store and your involvement from like when it first started to when you got involved and where you see the future going? Yeah, it's been, um, I'm super blessed to have landed at that, at Alaska Mining and Diving, right? Like all these other things that I've touched and as anybody knows that's in business with anything, you're so intimately involved with it. All the other, all your friends all come from that environment, you know? And, uh, I was just kind of passing through and I had bought, I bought my first ever brand new snowmobile as an adult at that store in 1999. And mm. so I was, I was familiar with the store and that was a place I did all my shopping stuff and they had sales job opening. <clears throat> and, uh, it was in the two thousands, like in the uh, right around Oh three, probably roundabout right before the rev snowmobile came out. And that like just changed everything. And like all the snowmobile movies and stuff all revolved around the rev snowmobile. And we sold tons of those sleds. We sponsored yeah. Jay Quinlan, Heath Frisbee, Ashley Chaffin, Kyle Armbrust. We, we did, we were so involved in, in when that happened. And that's when, I mean, we were selling, I don't even, I can't even pick a number, but we were selling more snowmobiles than you could even ever imagine the place was so busy. And so I was blessed to get a job that they, and the, the, the business was started in 1976 as just a mining and equipment store, right? Like two friends in high school and Dudley and a couple of his brothers were also, you know, his brothers were involved and like, it was just this place out of a garage back in the day in the seventies for prospecting. <clears throat> and then the briefest version I can give you is prospecting led to needing to be on the water to do dredging that led to like probably the need for an inflatable boat. So they got inflatable boats and then inflatable boat, you got to have a motor to get an inflatable boat around. So you got the motors and the next thing you know, this is boating. And the next thing you know, there's some aluminum boats. And the next thing you know, there's some fiberglass boats and there's ski do snowmobiles. And you know, you, you fast forward 45 plus years. And, uh, now today we're last night I was an employee owned company which we're in our 11th year of employee ownership. And um, what that what that means in a, like a super brief summary is when Dudley and Steve, the original founders, decided they wanted to retire, you got choices when you're going to get out of a business. You either just shut it down, sell it for the assets and leave or whatever, whatever you got for inventory, or you could uh, sell it, right? Selling a power sports business is not the easiest thing to do, or you can make it employee owned. And they had just discovered this at that time that employee ownership was like this thing. And that's the road that they went down. And it was a rough transition. Like the first five or six years of employee ownership didn't do anything different than running a regular business. It was hard, super hard work. And at that, you know, that was right as you're coming out of, we were doing like, um, in terms of revenue, like $24 million a year in revenue down to like 10 ouch when all those people everybody tons of people got laid off lots of people lost their jobs you know it was a tough time back then and and um slowly we've grown the business back to where it is today and we're knocking on that number again you know we as an employee-owned company we bought an anchored suzuki Cat a year ago last month mm -hmm. okay. mm -hmm. opened alaska motorsports and equipment and we're now <clears throat> selling tractors and other types of things but being an employee-owned company is like we're, we're now with this like we have this really crazy critical mass where i was telling you before the show like it's so fun to be able to, it's not like it's yours, right? And there's always this perception that since it's yours, that boat in the water, all the money's going there, you're going to Tahiti, you're doing this, and you're just doing it for you, and why should I be here? It's hard to get employees to work, especially now. Like, it's the oh, I've, it's never been so challenging. Mm -hmm. We have still the same challenge as other businesses have, but when we're, we're, our, we're paying out tens of thousands of dollars annually to the employee owners, 
because the profits have been so good. Like, and it doesn't matter what job you have. It's not, everybody gets, the, there's, there are still um, different bonuses for rewards, let's say for different, you know, you did that and that made this much money and you get a reward on that. But everybody blanket got the same bonuses. Mm. No matter what you do, if you sweep, we don't have a sweeper, but if you're, if you sweep, you answer the phones or you sell more snowmobiles than me, you get the, everybody gets the same thing because you're an employee owner and it all goes to the employees. There's no benefit. And, and from a, like from a financial perspective, like cash flow is very good because we have, have 45 plus years of really good business managers helping us run the business. And so things are really good and you don't really do yourself any good by stockpiling cash around unless you've got a plan to do something with it, which we did. We bought another business and mm -hmm. we, uh, we probably sometime around September, we're going to be opening a third store. So there's some need for, you know, some capital investment there. Yeah. Wow. Uh, we're super excited about it. And that's, um, I can, I can say more about it cause we've talked about it on our show, but that's really like mining and equipment related. So that's the, that like the heritage side of the business okay. cause we've really become a power sports and Marine powerhouse. Yeah. And then the mining departments, like this redheaded stepchild that like, yeah, you know, it's got a little it spot in the corner yeah. over here, but it, it's got a huge potential. So we're going to do something with that too. But, but it all goes back to the people. And, and like now that we're whatever, we're 11 years into employee ownership. When you, when you look at, and at the, in the way that employee ownership, you're employee owner, but you're, you own the shares. You don't own the company, you own the shares and they're distributed to you fairly every year. And there, there's an evaluation done just one time a year. And so when the evaluation is done, then you you look at your statement again and you see that in our share values have been increasing pretty significantly over the past several years because of our performance and business is good because of the hard work of the people. It's, it isn't because it's just falling in your lap right. yeah. because there's a lot of people that are in these situations in power sports where there's a lot of business coming that they get frustrated. They can't get the product. There's all these challenges and they're closing their doors because they, they can't handle it. Right. They can't get enough help. They, we have, we have again some of those same challenges, but because we're so successful, you they're getting rewarded monetarily, right? So this is kind of my employment pitch. Okay. Right? If you're looking for a really fun place to work that you literally put it in your pocket, if you make more money selling that, it literally goes into your pocket. Like that's how it works. Yeah, you got skin in the game. You do have skin in the game and, and you've got input. We listen, you know, you we, we, we make sure that we get the input of everybody and there's engagement um, too from Yeah the guy sleeping the floor is taking out trash. Like he, there is, there is. And, and especially when at the end, at the end of the day, when you, when, you know, like fiscal year just ended for 2021 and you're looking at, we're looking ahead and forecasting and you're saying, okay, and then we're going to start doing the evaluations now. So then the evaluation, you don't get the evaluation of how you performed last year in the stock price until like August or September. It's oh, crazy wow. how long it takes because, but it's a privately done thing and it's totally federally regulated. It isn't like, there's nobody holding the, the, the purse strings on this, right? Like it's, okay. it's a total federally run program and it's very, there's a lot of consequences if you don't run it right. There's fiduciary responsibilities and all kinds of crazy stuff that is way above my pay grade that thank God there are people around to handle that. But you, but you get to go around and you get to go, I mean, you get show people that was your wages that you earned and took home. And then you were in tens of thousands of dollars more than that in your account value. That's, that's changed or, right. you know, increased because you're getting shares allocated to you right. and the share value is increasing. So, uh, and, and there's no contribution. You're, you cannot buy more shares. Just working there. Just, it's just, just working yeah. there and being an employee owner. And it takes several years to be vested. There's a, there's a really awesome plan that it has mm. to make sure that everybody, um, it, its whole intention is long-term employment, right? right. Mm. And to grow the team and to get a really good culture built. And so anyway, that's, 
that's fast forwarding a lot versus what what it was in the past but like i literally just started working for dudley benish i just worked for him i sell lots of snowmobiles because i love snow machining yeah and then i started selling boats started loving boats more started being on the water more and now we've got younger kids that are those you know aj would be a good example he's like he's the sled guy man like when somebody calls me for a sled i'm like man you gotta talk to aj mm -hmm. you know i have other responsibilities that i that i have now yeah. you know so um and that it gives us the ability to like that gets into all kinds of crazy business conversations you can have, but like you can work in your business as much as you want, but you're not going to go anywhere really. Like if you got to work on it, you got to get people mm. to do those jobs that are really good at it better than you. Can you realize that you're not that guy anymore? Step back and focus on other things. And that's, what's allowed us to have the manpower to, you know, purchase and acquire another dealership, totally rebrand it and kill it in the first year. It, it made money in its first year, which is really hard to do. Unheard of, yeah. <clears throat> and while we're still, running that first year business, we're already planning on the third store um, and other opportunities that we, you know, that we might have out there. So, um, and meanwhile, all the, all the while still looking outside the box at whatever other, you know, opportunities that are out there. So it's been, for me, like it's a huge blessing for me and for my family having landed at that place and then having the owners at the time decide well we're going to go employee owned and we're also going to retire like it's perfect timing at my age at the time i wanted to i didn't want to work really necessarily as just a salesperson my whole life i knew that was the start to something but i knew i wanted more than that and uh every olzenak i've ever known with my is always climbed to the top and then started stuff and i just i felt like i had an obligation to I don't know, you know, and, and it just, that just came from working your ass off, right? Like people are always like, well, how do I, how do I do what you're doing? You know, just work your ass off. Yeah. That's just work your ass off. Hard work. Yeah. It's just, that's all it's, if you just keep working your ass off, you're going to go some, you may not go up here, but somebody else, if, if wherever you're at, they don't see you going up, somebody else is going to be like, dude, you're working your ass off. You want a job? Yeah. That's come right. over here. Yeah. 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 Come I over do it. to double shovel. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, my wife, my wife taught me, uh, a term that I love and I use it all the time and people probably get tired of me saying it is sweat equity, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, just get after it and workhorse and, 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 you know, earning your way. I worked seven days a week, 10, 12 hours a day in say in retail and sales, right? Like that's just grinding. People don't do that. Yeah. And I loved it, man. I've, I've loved it. And I did it at a time when it wasn't employee owned and I wasn't making that much money. I was just, I just loved it. Knew that it, I knew that Passion. eventually something was going to come of it. And now we are this, like in the power sports world, the last million dime is the number one ski dealer in North America, largest, not number one because we, we won this award and we did this cool thing, but because we sell the shit out of stuff, Yeah, right? We know how to retail, we know our market, we know our customers and we know how to take care of them. Like we talked about a little bit before the show, right? Like if you're, if you're not taking care of your customers, you're not, you're not going to have that story to tell, yeah. you know, that success story to tell. So. You know, that always amazes me when, when I hear that because while we are a very um, popular, strong power sport state and market, we're still very small in population. So you think about, you know, Seattle, Portland, um, you know, Idaho, uh, you know, some of these other states, um, Northwest, whatever the region of states is. Sorry, I don't know exactly what all the states are off the top of my head, but I think about There's Washington, 50 Oregon. of them. Well, Northwest, <laughs> North, Idaho, North, Oregon, North. Washington, Northern <laughs> California, that, yeah. those areas. And I know that, like, obviously snowmobiling is going to be a little more popular up here because our season's longer. But it just in terms of, like, per capita and population, it blows me away that 
that little dealership on Commercial Drive yep. is the biggest power sports dealership in the Northwest. Yeah, and when if you were if you were at our store today, and so when um, when when this airs, they'll have some time will have gone by. But we talked about before the show, like if you were at our store today, you'd be like, "Holy shit! How in the world are you guys doing this?" Like the yes. phones never stop ringing today. Not for one second. And when I left to get here, there's dudes that were still answering the phone. We've been closed for almost an hour yep. taking orders for next year because the new ski were just released. Mm. And because we've built the loyalty and we've built the, the, I mean, we do pretty damn good on our reviews. We, we, I had a guy in the other day and I've believed in this for the, my 20 years. I had a guy in the other day that had a catastrophic failure at 16 miles on a snowmobile, right? He's got 17 grand invested. He's trying to get his cabin and shit kid, kid out to his place before the snow melts. And he has a catastrophic failure. And he's like, he's on fire when he comes in the door, right? He's like, you're lucky I left my wife at home because this would have been even harder and you would have been, you know, like it would have been bad. And I was, it's just so easy to look at a guy and go, you know what? In my whole entire career here, I've never not worked one of these situations out ever in your favor, ever. doesn't even matter the cost. Always works out because there's always a way. Mm -hmm. And I felt just so confident and like, he was like, oh, and he just calmed down. I'm like, you don't have to sit here and rail and scream at me at all. We're going to figure this out. You're yeah. absolutely right. That should never have happened. Yep. Even if you, even if you are at fault, even if it's still a brand new thing you bought from us that has almost no miles on it, we're going to take care of you, man. Like that's what we're here for. Yeah. And that's why when the new programs come out, our phones ring off the hook because people know those stories. It's not the only story that we have, you know? And so, uh, and it's not to say we haven't pissed people off before and you know, we've had, customer interactions that didn't go well. You cannot make everybody happy. We are all no, humans interacting and that shit's going to happen. But, but it's just really fun to be able to know that you like, we work at a company that's so powerful that I just, I doesn't matter if I have to write him a check and give him another one. That's fine. Yeah. Work it out. We, yeah. We've got that kind of financial strength because we're, we also, and that's not because we also talk about integrity, you know, speaking of spring fever is, Right now, the market is tough, right? People are overpaying for things all over the place. Mm -hmm. And there's dealerships in all industries that are totally guilty of taking advantage of you and me and all your friends for things you're buying. And you're guilty of paying too much because you have the fear you're not going to get the thing. Yeah. And we found out just, just today that one of the dealers that we've always had a problem with underselling and not holding margin is selling for like a thousand, two thousand over what the manufacturer suggests the price should be. And now there's some gray area there because there's the MSRP, there's destination freight, there's setup. Right now on everything you buy anywhere, there's a commodity surcharge. We're charging just the fees that are whatever's coming in, right? And these other dealers are are gouging people for several thousand dollars more. And not a single person in the room as we're talking about it is even interested in discussing what we should raise our price to. There's no reason we're going to continue to do what we're doing, which we're gonna is to still move units. Yeah. I'm going to worry about it. Yeah. Be fair to people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like, because they're going to remember that, you know, when they're going to yeah. be like, well, I, yeah, I bought it from mining and dying, but they ripped me off. That's they're right. not going to come back. I yeah. Know. Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah. You know, so like there's a, you know, there's sure there's the ability to make more money, but we're, this, it's a long game, you know I mean? 
45 years. I mean, that company, there'll be somebody on somebody's podcast or whatever we're doing in 50 years talking about how my man, I remember when Nick Olsenek went on the, yeah. the, the last well project 50 years later, you know, what hologram cast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It'll still be me. I'll be dead and I'll still be given that I'll be still be on it. But like, you can't, you can't have that kind of success by doing those kind of things or whatever. So, well, I, I want to get into a, a subject in on a, on, inflation of you know the units and and snow checks but before we were talking about before we started recording tell us a little bit about the, uh the release of this year's program the 2023 snow check uh program just just came out what 24 hours ago not even yeah. not even yeah. and and you had mentioned you had already you couldn't even tell a number i don't think you were I'll just i'll say it i would say this we by the time i left the store today we pre-booked over 100 sleds in less than a day and what I would tell you, if you're if you're watching or listening now, and while this airs, because this, as I understand, this comes out a little later in the month, it's perfect timing. If you're watching or listening now, and you're like, "What are they talking about?" I, I was, I thought we had to the end of March. You know, I thought snow check, snow check goes, spring fever, ski to goes through the end of March. March 31st is the the complete the end of that. And it used to be that it did as long as you came into the store and you ordered your sled for next year within the program parameters, you're going to get a snowmobile. Yeah, right. Snow check, couple hundred, whatever. Yeah, get it by October. You know. Yeah, you get it late. Old days in the fall. Yes, it's all good. If you are listen, if 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 this if it's if it's around the end of February right now and you haven't come in and put your money down on a spring fever set, you should literally put this down, put it on pause, and go straight to the store, order your sled, or call two seven seven seventeen forty one. Order it, do it, text it, do whatever you do to communicate with your guy, and do it because what will happen. And this is not a scare tactic or an anything tactic. Tactic reality here. The reality is last year they didn't know we were going to have such a run on snowmobiles. So every sled we pre-sold, Skidoo stood behind us and they honored our certificates. Didn't cancel a single sled. This year they're going to do the same thing, up to this number, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever this number is, there's a cap. That's it. Once you hit that number, we're turning it off. So you can't go over. We don't have to because they just can't produce mm-hmm. the product. And what's crazy is we just had the best year of snowmobile sales in 15 years last year easily. We're still delivering sleds. We had a record January, record in the 45 years, record f- almost five times the sales. February is going to be similar. What's crazy is the release that we saw is like the probably the most epic product release that I've seen in 15 years also. New models, crap loads of new horsepower. By, by, by now you've heard about it. The, all the turbo summits all have 180 horsepower yeah. right out of the box, yeah. factory warranty, they 15 just, more than last year. walk on the... 15 pounds less weight. The four-stroke turbo R's are 30 more horsepower. All this stuff with factory warranty. Brand new chassis, brand new gauges, brand new rear suspensions, brand new tracks, brand new, brand new, brand new, brand new, brand new, brand new. All in a time when sales are going so good, you're like, why would a manufacturer invest that much money in innovation when the sales are falling in your lap anyway? And again, we're, we're so blessed to be a BRP dealer, seriously, mm. because they have been amazing with the supply chain. They've worked really hard to make sure that the products kept coming. And again, we didn't have a single, we didn't have a single sled canceled, not one. Not only did we not have sled canceled, we were able to go and get more sleds when we needed them really bad. So um, it's a crazy spring fever year. I, 
we won't be able to even snow check as many sleds as we snow checked last year because that number that I just told you yeah. is less than the number of certificates we got last year. Which so was you already know there's gonna it's gonna cap out and you're only gonna be able to go so many units. And it's and it and <clears throat> yeah, that does drive some sales, just the fear of it not happening. Yeah, of course, but I'm not saying it to scare people. I do it on our little AM radio show. I'm just like, I'm just telling you the truth. Yeah. Right? This is what's coming down the pipe. And if you come and ask me in two months if there's a sled available, I'm be like, you weren't listening. I'm just here to tell you what I know. And I mean, I've been doing it a long time. I know what's gonna happen. Just all going to sell out every single one of them and it's going to we're going to be in the same situation this problem will unfortunately correct itself with inflation and commodity prices mm -hmm. and probably some crazy things that are going to happen to the economy while production is also increasing yep. right so there's going to be and that leaves the dealerships in a predicament that they need to be careful they manage right like you 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 like okay just get everything get everything get everything get everything and then things starts to slow down then all of a sudden you're like holy you're shit look at all those crates shit. back there yeah nobody wants them you can't discount them fast enough and then you start going the other direction so mm. it's a it's a balancing act that right now we're still everybody's still dancing and singing and, and again yeah, you're on the high still we're still on the high and it, that's what i mean is we like and we have all this crazy innovative new product. I mean, like crazy innovative new product. Like I'm freaking excited about I the can't product lineup. I can't believe where sleds have gone, man. It's first nuts. off that they're almost at 200 horsepower. Yeah, well, turbos, 200 horsepower, and they're almost fucking 20 grand. No, they are more. 20 grand. There are 20 plus. <laughs> it's 20 grand for a new summer. The most expensive one I saw on the prices so far is 22349. But when you take it, when you peel it back, and you're like. Holy shit, look at all the stuff it has. I mean, it's like everything. The sled that's that price is literally everything I dreamed about in the 2000s. Like, if I could build the perfect factory yeah. oh, snowmobile, yeah. this would be it. And now it's the like drive, the turbo, the, this, that. Yeah. It's crazy. That is crazy. I know. I think I bought a, tw a 2010 Summit. Uh, what did that have been? An XP 146, yep. I think, back then. I think it was like 10.9. I was like, fuck, man, 10000 for a snow machine, man. I don't know, because my first brand new sled was seven. And that was like, holy shit, man. It's, they're, they're over 7000 Like, yeah. And I was only like 22 or something like that. Well, you so see the like side-by-sides going that way, too, right? And oh, oh, yeah. Oh, I want to next level. I yeah, can speak yeah. to that. I said earlier that I bought my first brand new snowmobile as an adult. I was like 18 or 19 from Alaska Mining and Diving. It was a 2000 Millennium Edition Summit 700. It was 79.99. Came with a free cover. It was the top <laughs> Which of the doesn't line. happen. No. You don't get no fucking free cover. Don't covers. ask me for that shit now because you aren't getting it. <laughs> covers back then were like 69. No, no, no free belts, no free covers. Free anything. Sorry, no. No free anything. $500. Ask me after a couple of more double shovels. But, <laughs> but that was the top of the line shit. Right, and now it's eighteen, nineteen, seven hundred. Seven hundred, yeah. Now yeah. it's eight, and that was that sled would have been ninety-five horsepower, right? So we're knocking on double the horsepower, less weight, and it's not just those things—the ergonomics and the fit and the finish and all the other little intricacies and technologies across the whole. It's just crazy, yeah. and we didn't just get these crazy new awesome summits. We also have the Lynxes now, mm -hmm. and those have one hundred eighty horsepower in them, and now the four strokes, which I'm. I'm an old guy. Like I've converted. I I love. I I tow a groomer in Whittier. I love grooming trails. It's crazy. I I get more satisfaction <laughs> on a grooming a trail than I ever will going and doing pow turns with my side, bros. Side Helen, yeah. I Look at those it. lines. My boys. kid loves it. I can I can do that with my ten year old. My ten year old can't go ride turning in with me, right? Like oh yeah, he can. No, he can't. He's just it's just I'm not going to put him yet. in that situation. Yep. No. And so, um, 
I, I mean, I'm loving that. The four strokes are 180 horse. Now there's a new Turbo R four stroke is 180 horsepower. So your your grandpa's four stroke, and I'm saying I'm saying like this is 180 fucking horsepower. You can go pull a truck out of the parking lot, dude. Two trucks. The turbo now is 150 horse. It'll wheelie with two people on it for two fucking miles. Can you imagine? 100 on a, on a grandpa machine, 24 wide. Yeah, I mean like you roll up to your you know guy's got a one year old sled you know and he's like oh nice wide track grandpa. I'm out. Just stands up. <laughs> it, it's just cool. So we have, you got the top of the line mountain sleds and stuff. And then you've got, Ski-Doo's always owned the utility market. And mm-hmm. if you've come into the store anytime in the last like two months, it's just super wides on wide tracks on super wides on wide tracks. Black on black on black. They're all murdered out. Yeah, they look They're really technical so and cool sexy. looking. Yeah. yeah. We have all that. And then... I've always been, I've got three kids, so I've been begging for like, man, bring the youth stuff back, bring the youth stuff back. So I see 180 horse turbo summits with 15 less pounds, all this new shit, Lynxes, all these new turbo four strokes, all this stuff. And I'm like, I'm satisfied. And they're like, oh, but wait, there's more. Mini Z120, (laughs) ZR200 for the kids, Summit Neo and MXZ Neo for the three quarter in-betweeners. I'm like, oh no Holy shit. Yeah, we just got a whole new lineup from start to finish from from your four-year-old to your grandpa in one year right after and like i said there should they're taking every bit of that that pandemic cash flow and reinvesting it that's what you do when you're in business and brp Mm. as a huge corporate that's what they're doing they're innovating right when they should be sitting on it a little bit right we all have an expect snowmobilers have an expectation of x number of years you better give me a new chassis or i'm out Mm. well yeah Mm -hmm. but when you're selling every single one that you have anyway why would you you'd hold the bag for a minute they didn't. Nope. Wow. They're doing the opposite. Red. And I love that they're bringing the youth um, sleds back because that's where it all starts is getting the kids into it. I mean, yeah, you can wait until your kid's 12 and get them a 340 Jag or a 340 MXZ. That's funny. Or, that's know, the first sled I ever rode is a 340 right? Super Jag. That's, that was exactly my first yeah. sled. Yeah. Um, with like a, what, like a three-quarter paddle? Or if something? you're lucky. <laughs> Just a belt <laughs> on the snow. flat belt. Yeah. With no <laughs> suspension. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's like, it's cool that you, you can get your six year old on a sled. Well, yeah. Crank, crank the governor down and putts around in the backyard. And the other brands have had them for a few years, you know, and Ski-Doo used to be known for family. It was like, that's what, mm-hmm. and so I've been pretty passionate about giving them a lot of grief in the last several years. A lot, obviously a lot of it's driven from having kids, right? That I want on Ski-Doo's and I've got this shitty old mini Z that I can never keep running. I hate it. I want to burn it all the time, but I have to, my kids have to be on something. And so, you know, like for me, it was like this kind of a passion project, but I'm like, I got to have my kids. I've got another one coming. What are my kids going to ride? Yeah. So you guys got a nice big yard that can putz around, right? I live in Chugiak. The whole area is saying. my yard. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's why I moved out there. Yeah. Um, don't come by my place though and look at all the snow machine tracks. It's not, they're not from us, <laughs> but it's like, um, it's so important to get, you know, when you're, when you have a family, it's more important, but it, if you're just in sales, you recognize that there's a ton of products out there in the market and all kinds of things that get people to come to the brand early and young. And for, for me, I'm just a firm believer, at least with my boys, if daddy's doing it, that's what I want to do. Right. If he's screaming at mom, I'm screaming at mom. If he's riding yellow, I'm riding yellow. If he's flipping his finger off out the window to the guy that's cutting him off, I'm doing it. Like, they do what you do. And so yeah. they want what you've got. And if you, like, I just, I'm so happy. So 
I see all this high-end, high-zoot shit that I'm super stoked on because I know that retail is going to be strong and I know that yeah. the customers are going to be super happy. Uh, and then I'm selfishly totally gratified by seeing the kids stuff. And the funny thing is we don't make jack on the kids stuff. The margins are no, peanuts. No, it's, it's but about it's, getting it's the a, youth in it. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, lo it's a super long-term investment. Yeah. And they didn't just give us a 120. They didn't just give us a 200. They didn't just give us a 120 and a 200. They gave us a 120, a 200, and then a 40 and a 55 horse mountain sled. 40 horse and 55 horse mountain sled with a 600 fuel injected electric start reverse in a gen four. Yeah. So it's just this year's technology that, and this is the, this is the greatest part about it. This is where I sound like a salesman when I'm talking on sh stuff like oh, this, but I love it. 6799. So affordable. Yeah. And that's a great wife and girlfriend machine. That that's the thing is like when the sea you know? came out with a spark watercraft yeah. for 15 grand, you couldn't buy a jet ski for less than 15,000 bucks. Spark comes out 5999. Sold the shit out of them, I bet. Couldn't get enough of them. Still to this day, we sell the shit out of them. They're yep. sold out. Our, it's February. Been sold out of watercraft since September, right? <laughs> and Alaska is the perfect market for that kind of stuff because summers are short, $15.99. And I don't have to spend 15 grand. I can spend half that. And you can <clears> buy two usually. I mean, totally. if you're talking about two in a trailer for 15, the price of one. You can buy two, one for you and your wife, your yep. girlfriend, or if you just want two so you can take a buddy. And let's be super <clears> honest about all those types like look like, automobile industry is the same exact thing like we could all go out and buy a seventy thousand dollar truck tomorrow and be stoked on it and then we're like fuck i just bought a seventy thousand dollar <laughs> truck that i'm never going to get to use enough right or whatever to make it work or you yeah. could go and buy like look, look here's the example i would use the four is it called the ford magnum is that what it's called i think it's called the magnum i, I might get the name wrong but ford just came out the maverick the ford maverick oh yeah yeah, yeah. 19999 pickup truck four-wheel drive bed four doors yeah, like a little Ranger. It, yeah, it ain't the truck that I need to do the job, but I was actually like, you know, if I was going to get a second vehicle, I could go buy a used Kia with front-wheel drive for $25,000 with 60,000 miles on it, or I could go buy this Ford pickup truck with four-wheel drive and a crew cab for 6000 less, right? And so this snowmobile, like you're talking about this, the, the Neo... Like not everybody needs a ten thousand or twelve thousand or fifteen. Like some people just want to have a snowmobile around. Yeah, and yeah. for seven thousand bucks, if not that that's not a lot of money to some folks, but it's if you're going to ride it six, eight, ten times a year, that's a lot better of an investment than a fifteen. And especially because that nobody cares about that technology. When yeah. when you go to sell it with inflation and the little things that are going to happen in the world, you're going to get your money back out of it in a few years if you decide you wanted to get out of it. Mm -hmm. And you're not going to feel bad if it sits there for a month and you don't touch it, you know? Yep. And it's going to perform. You're still going to have fun. When snowmobiling came around, like a, a Olympic 320 had like 18 horsepower. That yep. was it. That was when snowmobiling was born. 18 horsepower, right? And people loved it. Yep. Smiles, mullets. Killer yeah. gear, one-piece snowsuits. That's right. No suspension, broken backs. You know what I mean? I was I thinking one-piece Carhartts and bunny boots, you know, facts. whatever works. Yeah. But it, I just love yeah. it because it, it brings fun. Like, there's the there's the people that need that technology and that horsepower and all that cool stuff. Yeah, and I'm, I do have that rider. DNA, but I, I'm so much more turned on by just people being able to get into the sport that mm -hmm. they would be a, otherwise intimidated by it or it'd be out of their they're out of the market. They couldn't, you know, couldn't afford it or whatever. And so, yeah, you've got these like these entry level. The entry level products are as important as the twenty two thousand yeah, dollars. Absolutely, yeah, because you can work up to it. Yep. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, get everyone out there doing stuff. You know, that's a, what it's about. It's yeah. Getting outside. Yep. And we're it. you're we're 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 mega lucky, right? Did you see the Peloton 
Have you seen the Peloton news lately? Like the Peloton, the stationary bike. They're yeah, they're cranking it up. They got the mirror. They got all the <laughs> cranking it up for the yeah. station. No, they're tanking. <clears throat> they're tanking. Oh, they are. They're tanking because they for COVID, their sales went through the roof. Right. Well, I got to stay home. Better get an exercise yeah. bike. What CEO is sitting around like you know what? This is never going to end. So let's up production. Let's crank out more stationary bikes because when it's over, nobody's going to want to go outside. Oh no. Said no one ever. And here we are. We've been <laughs> now, selling now they're clothes racks. 100% and they're ta they're tanking. They have to, they're having a huge shift because they were super fortunate. The stuff right. that we sell and and like during the beginning of the pandemic it was like for about 30 seconds I was like, "Oh, we're fucked." And then 2 weeks later I was like, "Oh shit, everybody gets to come back to work. Everybody wants to go outside." Like Alaskans yeah. were like, yeah, we're going to do this for about the 15 days that Trump yeah. said we should do it. And then after that, they're like, yeah, go yeah, fuck yourself. I'm out. I'm out. Yeah. yeah, I'm yeah. out. Did my part. And so it's just never stopped. And what's cool about it is it's totally sustainable. Like you get into snowmobiling, you get into watercraft, you get into boating, you get into biking, you get into hiking, you get into any of the outdoor. I don't care what it is. I'm, and I'm a multi-user guy. Like I talk about snowmobiles and boats all the time, but I groom snowmobile trails in Whittier so that people can come ski and cross-country ski and fat bike on them. I don't do any of those things. I don't want to do those things. I make unfair judgments about people that do those things sometimes when they're my friends. So if you yeah. do any of those things, I'm sorry. Fuck you. Yeah. Thanks for your honesty. But dude, I love, I, I love that a thing that I do can help somebody else do a thing they do like way better. I just think that's yeah. super, super cool. So all those people are not going to stop doing that because, oh, pandemic's over, back to my Peloton. Like that's just not ever going to happen. No. And so we're in like this really cool sustainable thing that mm -hmm. there was like the number is like 60% new entrance to power sports in the last 12 months. 60% new. And of those are uh, 60% more entrants and of those like 35% have never been in before. Oh, that's yeah. cool. You can't buy that kind of new customer. You no, just can't. No. Yeah, it's going to take what happened to to get it generated to get people out there and it's it's badass because you might get okay, 60% jump. Even if 30% sustain and stay in it, Yep. That's still going to keep things. That's what I've been saying this whole time. For you guys, we're not going to keep them all. No, there's no. going to be some that are like, I'm going back oh. to France again, or I'm going. Yeah, I'm going to sell my snow machine, <laughs> my jet ski, my this, that, and the other. But you're going to keep a lot of them. Oh yeah. Yep. Because if you are going to live here and you're going to do this lifestyle, and you maybe you were living here and living in an apartment, or you're doing something where you were just kind of inside and you got out there and you sniffed something that you liked. Fat tire mountain biking, skiing, hiking, snowmobiling, jet skiing, something. Something will stick with you. I One totally, of those things. Yep. You know? Power sports, come on. Everybody likes riding something that makes you go, go fast. Well, that and, that and, like, we have, like, such an, uh, an awesome um, industry because even if you don't like snowmobiling, you might like skiing and you might hate lift lines. Mm. And your restriction mm -hmm. before might have been a sled that was hard to ride or intimidating to ride or I don't like pollution or smoke or whatever. Find a snowmobile that we sell that smokes anymore. Yeah. You can't find yeah. one. Oh, that's a good point. A, a four-stroke Ski-Doo gets like 35 miles per gallon. Like you can't find that anywhere. Our two-strokes get 20-something miles per gallon. They're, they're like... Uh, even a non-electric start sled now has this crazy technology called shot. You pull start at once in the morning, the rest of the day, you just touch a button and it starts up like a Prius at an intersection, right? Like ski racks, totally integrated. It, it, the, the, it's so easy to own and operate power sports equipment and yeah. other stuff now that oh, like yeah. you're, you're the, the ski, the backcountry skiers and the snowboarders and so many other folks are using snowmobiles to access now because even we, at that price of Lift tickets are expensive, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, you make a really good point because I, I get made fun a lot because I don't go out with, with all my 
boys who are big mountain ski uh, mountain riders and they go out and do all this stuff i'm like nah man i want the one that could put the auger on i want the one that can get me out there to the lake that no one else can get to so i can ice fish you know and it's just like i know that i need the power vehicle to get me out there and so they're just like oh well no you should just get the mountain one man i'm like no 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 i know they got something for me over there for that there's been this huge shift like i have <clears throat> i'm a i'm the shining example of it like if it was if it didn't have all the horsepower it wasn't the lightest thing and the loudest thing with all the turbo and it had to run on at rave get race deepest, gas or ab gas slug track. Yeah, if it didn't have that i wasn't riding it now like this the ski do expedition series we sell five to one over mountain sleds because you've got you've got a little bit of an aging population that's getting out of mountain riding and they're like buying cabins and they're going, doing all that sort of stuff. They're doing yep. to do you do. It's like, it's that overland, um, my fault. It's that overland, um, adventure, like everything vehicle and the expedition. If you haven't seen it, I'm not trying to no, say, I already you. know I want one. Dude, it's got, it legit has an ice auger holder it, in the catalog. <laughs> seen it. it says, I've seen it, dog. I've uh, seen it. <laughs> chainsaw. It has all the stuff, right? Like it's like, it's just so, and it, it's, it's designed in a way too, that makes you feel like, you know, like that Toyota TRD forerunner, right? Like mm -hmm. I don't want one, but if I was ever going to do some overlanding, I'd buy that. Yeah. Right. Like that's my thing. Yeah. And so there's it again, it, it's like, the technology and the innovation is speaking to like such a more broad audience that before would have been like, man, I don't want that clunky old Scandic that hurts to ride. Yeah. You don't have Ramp to a now. Machine, yeah. No man. It's like the, it's like an F four fifty, but a Lariat with air suspension and leather and a moonroof, you know, yeah. like and you can still go get a pow turn in if you want a hundred percent. Yeah. You know, I pow turn, I ride, I pow ride the with the auger on, on the my back. 24 inch. <laughs> What's up, Bootsy? What, one of the, one of the hard things about like, so we grew up, we, we grew up with sleds and we were more like, you know, trail riders and stuff. This is like pre mountain, you know, pre 90, pre 95 kind of stuff. Um, I feel like now when you get into snow machine game, it's kind of like owning a boat, like you become a boat person. Right. And that was a worry for me. So like when I bought a boat, I bought it with someone else. So then I don't feel obligated to be on my boat all the time. I, f I feel like I can go on a hike and not feel guilty or go fly fishing and rafting and do all the other rad shit. Because I think like Alaska's, Alaska is a place for variety. The place that's like missing me on the sled route is like having like some sort of like co-op where it's just like a group of people that get have like these sleds together. Um, and I, I've asked around, I've never heard any options like this, but man, if there could be some sort of co-op, like people have them for airplanes where we can like have sleds and enjoy that, but don't feel guilty spending 20 grand when we're only going to use it, you know, three times a year. Cause I ski and fat bike and do all the things where I got to earn it up the mountain. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That, that was, that was for you, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you know, that conversation about the different product innovation where there's less, like you can buy for less, like that's what comes to mind for me. You're so you, you're, it's funny cause you speak to me. There's, there's boat people, there's airplane people, there's snow machine people, that's right. there's football people, there's people and cabin everything. people, cabin people. Yeah, dude. And that's actually funny. You bring that up. I'll, I'll bounce to that for a second because people are like, Oh, why well, you should get a cabin. You know, you guys, it's so great. And I'm like, I have a cabin. It's called a boat and I can go all over the fucking <laughs> that place. Is fucking and, right. And so I don't have to go, Go to my cabin every weekend. Yeah, that's right. Do I love the th idea of a cabin? What man in the world ever hasn't loved the idea of a cabin yeah. in the fucking woods? Of course, I right. love that. But after three weekends in a row, I'm like, cabin's still here, same trees. Yeah. Pissed on that one already. <laughs> but I so I love it. But like, 
the co-op thing is is a great idea that I haven't heard of either because but people that co-own boats is is popular because yeah. the price is high. But yeah. that's what I think about with um with what Skidoo's done with like the Spark, right? Like the Sea-Doo Spark and this new snow machine, the Neo. Yeah. Like you wouldn't feel guilty about spending seven grand and only riding it a few times. As guilty as you've got a twenty thousand dollar snowmobile. Oh yeah, that's going to depreciate every quick weekend because it's one hundred eighty horse this year and it's two hundred eighty horse next year and the next thing you know you're you've rode it three times and it's worth two thousand yeah. dollars, right? So I think that starts to address part of that yeah. sort of thing. But like, um, the, you know, I I I, uh, I don't know that this works with combustion snowmobiles, but like I look at the electric market and I think about uh, you go to Seattle and you like you, you take your credit card and you swipe it and you grab a scooter and you scooter oh, yeah, off, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, scooter gang. <laughs> yeah, Shout out. You can't do that with combustion <laughs> stuff because there's too much maintenance and stuff involved. Yeah, but when yeah. you've got a battery pack and an electric motor, I mean, I've I've thought about what the future of that looks like. Like you show up in Seward and you're like, you want to go to your favorite restaurant in the winter, you just get out of town. And you're like, oh look at that, there's five snowmobiles right there and you swipe your credit card $22 a minute or whatever fucking swoop, yep. run out to exit glacier get a snow machine right in you're done for the year no yeah, guilt happy right? happy yep. as hell yeah so that's what yeah. i mean like and that's where like it's not similar but similar like that's why i talk about there's so much innovation coming in boating and stuff yeah. it's like there's there's so many things that people that are in our age are good we're gonna watch our kids doing that you're like damn yeah. I, we talked about that yeah yeah sure. that it, yep. it will, it'll totally happen but i yep. i fully agree with you because i mean i can't i i Next year, this year I snow checked. I snow checked a 120 for my uh, my two year old, and I snow checked a Neo Summit 55 horse because my 10 year old can ride an 850 turbo that has a stage three tune that's 200 plus. So I can ride it pretty good. Yeah, scares the shit out of me. So I bought him a 55 horse, right, like one mm -hmm. fifth the power. I snow checked two sleds because I don't feel guilty about then hopping on the boat and going boating and not using those yeah. those toys, right? Like I. I'm well, and that's what you like to do in the winter where like some people have like, you know, Daniel ice fishes a lot, you know, I'm on my, on the mountain downhill skiing a lot, you know, and fat tire biking. So I need to like, I really want to do it and I want my family to be in it, but I only want to do it like five times yep. or yeah, four once times a, month, a year. Maybe. Yeah. So that, that's why I was like thinking like that co-op idea that's a would be idea. really good. But I mean, also cheaper sleds I that are like more that. reasonable that don't have to be the top of the line. Cause I don't need all the best shit, you know? Yeah. Like, it goes down the trail. It doesn't fail. Man, that's pretty fucking good. Yeah, you won't be the first guy to the top of Turnigan, but you'll still get to go out and go for a ride with your family for a yeah, less money. But right. but I, that's why I could, you're speaking to me with the boat. Like, that's because we are, I'm boat people. Right. I snowmobile only because I can do it right by my boat. Yeah. For, for yeah, real. Yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah, that's yeah. why I don't have a cabin. I, I just, yeah, I yeah. wouldn't do it. Like, I'm, I'm, I am boat people, man. I love the ocean. I can't get enough of the ocean when I'm yeah. snowmobiling. I choose to ride my snowmobile where I can see the ocean because <laughs> if I can see it, I can probably smell it. And that yeah, all that just good, gives me man. that emotional connection or whatever. So You're speaking to me, man. Yeah. I, I, so, but I'm, but I'm not the guy that's like, God I really want to go um, fat tire biking this week. I'm like, I'm not a fat tire. If you've seen me a couple of times, I'm not a fat tire, not a fat tire bike material, right? Like definitely <laughs> not in the snow. Right. I'm just not, I'm not that guy, but I, I respect that there's like, there are so many things to do in Alaska yeah. and, and in our dealerships. Like that's the thing is it's like what I say this on our, in our radio ads and on our radio show is I'm like, it doesn't, if you don't know what you want to do, come yeah. see us. Yeah. Yeah. We, we got you. Yeah. We'll find something. We want to put the fat tire on the snow machine. Ooh, I think you got to earn it, dude. <laughs> no, <then you> <laughs> I mean, we're going to get back into this again, but you got to earn it. It's like it, the dude. electric bike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do take the lift up though. So. I, I've heard snowmobiling a lot and I've never, ever said snowmobiling. I've always said snow machining and my mm. mom 
wonderful ethnic Colombian person, Snowmachining. Snowmachining. <laughs> and you've been saying snowmobiling a lot. Is that because you're dealing with the dealers from the south? I don't know what happens with me. So I'm I'm fr- I'm originally from Minnesota, so I'm from snowmobile country. Okay, okay. Oh, but okay. I've been in snowmobile dealerships for 25 years, and so it's snow machine. Like I get that, but it's a fucking snowmobile. Okay, and I've seen the That's articles and shit term. that just came yeah. out. It's, it's what it's called. It's ski do snowmobiles. It's not ski do snow machines. I don't care what you say. I can call it whatever you want. It's whatever booster scooter. Doesn't matter what you call it. <laughs> it's cool. I don't know why a snowmobile just rolls off my tongue. It's yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, li- I like saying it on the radio ads better. I don't know. It's something is I, that a, a uniquely Alaskan? I term? don't think so. I, no. I don't think that Let's it say is. In I think Canada. Machi- machines is like, yeah, ca- Western Canada, Western US. But like, honestly, my problem probably is that for, for Ski Doo to pay for 50% of my radio ads, I have to say Ski Doo Snowmobile three times in a radio ad to oh, get you're paid just like back. Wired. So probably it's, I mean, honestly, it's probably part of it. It's just probably habit. Can you say Snow yeah. Machine three times? Snow Machine, Snow Machine, Snow Machine. Okay. I can do it. You know, my favorite is <laughs> from our folks that uh, live in the, the real back country, Snow Go. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. oh the snow go. But that yeah. was a model, right? That was like the... Um, um, What's well, like Kleenex? Yeah, you Kleenex know what or Coca-Cola. Yeah. Well, or on, on the west coast of Alaska, like, they call it... Now it's ski even in Even if it's a, not a ski it's ski Oh, oh really? Yeah, that's, oh, really? That's oh. pretty common. It's just kind of what they call a, a sled. That's probably fading away now, but there, you know, yeah. 10, 12 years ago, that was a thing. It was a ski Like, in people would, co- you know, like, like a, like a four wheeler is a Honda. No matter what brand it is, you get, people call us for Honda parts. No, I have a, a 2008 uh, Can Am. You just ask for Honda parts. It's well, a, yeah. just what we've been calling them for like 40 years. Yeah. yeah. Because that's the most prominent ATV on the West Coast, most prominent snowmobile on the West Coast of Alaska is ski snowmobile, always has been, yeah. Yeah. always will be. And there so you go. I just, I think that has a lot to do with it. It's just like the bubbler, you know, you know, the bubbler story, the bubbler. Yeah. Mm. What's the bubbler? So show? there, you know, in the United States, there's like water fountain or whatever. I, mean, I know the bubbler, you know, but, but the bubbler, in Wisconsin, you go get a water and go to the, ask for the water fountain or whatever. They're like, Oh, the bubbler. And that's a Wisconsin thing. Yeah. Cause the original water fountain guy Midwest was too? from Wisconsin and made a thing called the bubbler. And then everyone else started calling it water fountain. But it's still oh. bubbler in Wisconsin. I didn't know that. Right. Speaking about Wisconsin, I made my first cheese curds last night. Oh. My buddy Duncan brought some from Wisconsin, and so I like Googled up how to do it on the air fryer. Oh, my oh, gosh, nice dude. Ball. My son. Oh, my, on the my, air fryer? Oh, man, dude. Mattel was like, is there more? I was like, he goes back to the Packer game in September. <laughs> I'm a Midwest dude, man. Like, oh, cheese curds, man. Oh my god, dude. it doesn't matter it's where it is. I gotta try that snow machine heater. They have the. Food oh, let's heater. talk about that innovation that's going on, man. My brother and them been just talking about how the new whatever it is. The it used to be like the a hot cooker. dogger. Yeah, that's just like cooks it all up, man. Bootsy's in there with his. Got the steak meat. Yeah, there. <laughs> the teriyaki chicken. You got one of these the Well, are you talking about the? It's the, the one. That they're like, oh, it goes all the way around the thing. It's like wrapped. It's like wraps around the thing, so it heats up the bottom and the top, like around the pipe. There's yeah. a lot of variations of what I, uh, I've always liked to call it the muff pot. That was the original. Well, the original <laughs> was the hot dogger, and then they came out. The hot dogger was like this cheap tin thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was flat, and then the muff pot came out. And it's got a cool name, and it was like stainless steel, so it was like legit. Uh, yeah, like versus twenty nine ninety nine, it was like sixty nine bucks. But it was the muff pod; it was nicer. And then now they have like cooker cans, where like that's what it is. Yeah, the can 
the exhaust goes out and this thing slides in the side of it versus, yeah. And so I've had lots of cooker cans. And if it, again, if you, every single radio show I do where I talk about snowmobiles, I always say, if you're, if you're snowmobiling with me and you, and you never have, you're like, what is that? That smells like jalapeno cheddar moose dog. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, because doesn't everybody fucking put those in their cooker? Like that's what you put in there. (laughs) And if you run out of those, which is tragic, um, and I'll kill people if they waste those things. Right. But you know, pizza rolls, <laughs> White Castle cheeseburgers, four of those fit perfectly, sort of smashed in a little bit. Super good for you, but they're delicious trail Where food. the fuck do you get White Castle cheeseburgers? Get at the grocery store. Come on. Like you can't. And at the old Tessie, the Girdwood Tessie, they uh-huh. used to have their 12-pack in there. Oh, really? And you can get them jalapeno. <laughs> you know the best oh, way to cook them? Did you know about oven? this? No, I didn't know that. You got to cook them. You got to like steam. Can't get them no more. Everyone heard about it. You, know, you ever done that? Oh, you yeah. Steam the, them? They get steamed in the in the cooker on the snowmobile oh, for about nice. 10 seconds, and then they turn fucking black and rock hard because oh. they burn. Full hockey puck? But yeah, it's hockey puck time. But <laughs> the, the answer to the question is like 100% absolutely yes. Like I am a, if I'm riding for 20 minutes, something's in my hot dogger. That's just the way that it is. Well, now it's quicker. Because what I've been hearing the feedback from the boys is like, oh man, remember we used to have with to the, ride the, the whole time, can? and then it would maybe be ready, and now it's like we got to stop because it's ready. I knew <laughs> I used to. I had this customer. I still know him. His name's Zach. He, he's one of the one of the Russians, right? And we would go and back when I would ride mountains a lot, he would you'd always show up, and you could guarantee there was a T bone. And some potatoes in that thing. I mean, like a legit T-bone, like not some bullshit T-bone, but like three inches thick, fit the whole oh, thing. Oh, put a 20 ounce on that he'd thing? Pull, he'd pull that thing out with a steak knife, grab a, of course, Russian, pull the bottle of Crown out of the back, set it on the seat, a couple forks for everybody. Dig in, boys. Yeah. <laughs> I like T-bone on the, on the mountain, too. huh? Yeah. He can like replace Kyle on the raft trip. <laughs> yeah, Kyle. <laughs> So you don't. You can't put a hot dog on the raft. It's not going to do much. <laughs> no, no, no. no they need something like anything. that for the raft. Huh? But that's. Yeah, but the, the reason I. So that my, my my mind just goes to all the different things that are around right now. We just we have this product on the floor right now. And it's called the uh, the bento. The hot. It's called the hot bento. Oh, Another yeah. Oh, great. Oh yeah, name. you were talking about that. Yeah, ninety nine dollars. It's lithium powered, and it it'll heat up three different meals, fifteen minute intervals, and it, you charge it. Like you charge anything else and you bring it with you and you put your like, whatever, you put whatever you're wanting to warm up in there, right? Like you put it in there and it takes 15 minutes and it warms it up. So it's about. Oh, it's just like a, a box, box. You put whatever you want in there. Yeah. It's like a USB uh, pre-charged. This one's not USB. Then, okay. So, but you have, to, you have to plug this one into the wall and then you get three okay. charges at three, whatever. But clearly this is a brand new product. The innovation is going to be. Yeah. It's 100% going to be USB, but but for right now. And so it's like if you're rafting, yeah, now you have a so thing that to bring. That is so perfect. But, mm-hmm. dude, you and Don't you know, like, water. that's why I carry a jet boil in certain <laughs> yeah. circumstances. Not because I need it, but because there are just times when I'm like, I'm just done eating dry, cold shit. I want mm-hmm. something more. Even if yeah. it's, even if, it doesn't matter when I warm up. It can Ramen be, noodles, it, I don't care. Yeah. yeah. It's all the difference in the world. I like the yeah. idea of this, but it warms up wa- the water. And then we just pour it down our boots and we're up. <laughs> Rainy days on the river in October. Sounds great. Do they have the cooker for uh, ATVs? Uh, it's not as popular. They don't do the cooker can for uh, for uh, ATV exhaust. They don't get as hot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they're also exposed generally in an ATV, right? The cool thing about a cooker can on a snowmobile is it's underneath the, the cowling. Oh, cow so it's, yeah, it's kind of enclosed. And yeah. otherwise your food's out there on your, you know what I mean? Yeah. When I ride a four wheeler, it's going in the mud and it's dirty. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. You know, certified. Yeah, not, not as popular. Not very sanitary. Yeah, let's quick a uh, quick uh, break. Give a shout out to the other sponsors, then we'll come back into the next topic here. 
The Treehouse AK, your one-stop dispensary located at 341 Boniface Parkway. Be sure to ask the bud tender about their deal of the day because honestly, there's always something good on deck. And guys, listen, this is where the culture lives. At The Treehouse, their dedication to servicing consumers has been developed through a lifetime of involvement in the cannabis culture. They're committed to providing the highest quality products at whatever value your budget affords, while always maintaining the deep-rooted principles that have carried them this far. Their focus is on relationships over transactions, and you can always depend on them to treat you with the respect you deserve. Hit them up at thetreehouseak.com, and remember, you must be 21 years of age to enter their store. Tailored Restoration, 24-hour emergency home services, helping Alaskans restore their dreams since 1972. Services include fire, water, mold, post-emergency cleaning, repair, and remodeling. Tailored has an emergency response number with trained professionals available to help you at any time, day or night. Give them a call in Anchorage, Eagle River, Matsu, or Fairbanks. Make an appointment today at tailoredrestorationalaska.com. Since 2008, Serrano's is Anchorage's own new generation of Old Cocina. Their menu showcases the passion and love of their rich heritage and unique family recipes that have been passed down through the generations. Serrano's goal is to embrace and display trad flavors using the best ingredients that are available. They focus on making everything from scratch daily. In-house menu includes handcrafted corn tortillas, salsas, carne asada, and chorizo. But don't take their word for it. Experience their tradition and some bore for yourself. Locations on Tudor and Northern Lights, both with new tequila bars. Check out their daily specials at serranosmexicangrill.com. The Connoisseur Lounge, located in the heart of Palmer, Alaska. The Connoisseur Lounge is Palmer's first locally owned and operated cannabis retailer. Their beautiful store is located at 226 Evergreen Avenue. The Connoisseur Lounge has exclusive cannabis products such as Snowcap Romance, Aurora Haze, Super Glue, and one of our favorites, Sugar Cookies. And if you're not into the flower, the connoisseur can hook you up with edibles, vape supplies, and a ton of CBD options for all your health and inflammation needs. Check out their daily deals at theconnoisseurlounge.net, or even better, stop by the lounge today. Remember, you must be 21 years of age to enter their store. Clearly flexible. Yeah. <laughs> Ran- yeah random question. Um, is Arctic Cat done? In Alaska, or do you think there's going to be another store popped up? Because I know that I noticed that you guys uh, bought that space that they were in and started your own little thing there. And I'm just curious because I know we had um, some of the other boys, Mike Morgan, and these guys here, and it just seems like that's just like like took a super dive. Man, what's what's the what's the story there? I sit in an interesting place to to look at that because. I've been selling ski dues for almost 20 years and I have my, um, you know, got our frustrations and challenges with that. But when we, when we bought Anchorage Suzuki Articat, we, we did intend to probably not sell cat. That was like our first initial thought. And then as the transaction went down and stuff, we're like, no, this is good. We'll just, we'll hang on to it. It's some good sales. And there's mega loyal cat people, yeah. like super, super loyal cat people. The purple, but, the purple and uh, checkered jacket Well, guys. Suzuki too. I mean, yeah. those king quads. Yeah, totally. And they're se- they're separate. Suzuki Amer- Suzuki North America and Articat are separate deals. They're connected in certain ways with Which engines and st- motors and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But, but what I've learned, like especially through what we've talked about, with the success of ski do for us is that like <coughs> having a ski do dealership right now is like made us feel kind of like royalty 
they, mm. they really do listen. They're, they're trying really hard um, to, to fix all the supply chain challenges. And just, they're just re- trying really hard. And they're working with their dealers, and we're all really successful with them. And then you go over to their store, and you, like, start digging into the cat story, and you're like, fuck, man. Get your shit together. You've been making snowmobiles as long as anybody else. They, they're owned by a really big corporation, right? Textron is humongous. Mm. And to them... Or Mike mentioned that. Yeah, to, mm-hmm. to, to them, um, Cat is, is probably kind of like a thorn in their side. You know, they bought it, and they, that's a way they can channel shit. You know, they're, they probably had a, a, a theory that they were going to channel some of their military shit through Articat and get some sales that way and through governmental sales. And Articat's building all of these little mini sleds for everybody to include Ski-Doo. So they're building the 120s and, and 200s for Ski-Doo, Cat, and Yamaha. It's all the same thing. Um, because at that level, like, in, you know, innovating that is just not, not, no money in it. And so you're really just flying a color. But having it, that Cat dealership has certainly gave me a lot more respect for the brand that we sell next door. I think day to day, my opinion changes. I think Arctic cat could fold tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're the way they're, they, they on that other store, they canceled 70 plus orders on us. Just not there, We're not going to do those. Wow. Well, I have, I have customers that gave us money. Yeah. We're not going to do that. We're not going to do this either. <laughs> we're not going to do that. It's crazy. They do not have, they just don't have the sophistication that ski do has. Mm. And, and they're, they're struggling during this, time right and so we talked today we had a meeting actually this morning and and we were discussing how the like the japanese and chinese brands and suzuki being one of those and connected to the articat sort of story versus brp being connected to uh canada u.s austria germany like there's a lot of they get their products from different places international yeah and so we're able we're just we've seen more success with it you're i don't think you're going to see any more cat dealers you know the Great Land Articat in the Valley went out of business about two years ago now, right, right after COVID started going on. And we took on Cat and we kept it. I mean, we would blow it up if Cat would bring it. I mean, yeah. we're, we have that. We have the horsepower now. Alaska Motorsports and Equipment, which is now the Cat dealer, with Alaska Mining and Diving as the parent company, we, company we've got the horsepower to, to do something with it. But if you don't have the product and the innovation, you know, we talk about all this crazy cool stuff that's coming out of Cat just has the same old stuff. there's super loyal cat guys that love cats and there's some cool shit. They've got some stuff that nobody else has, but they don't have enough of it. And they don't have the, um, they don't have the dealer support, you know, like it's a big, it's a big part of it. If a dealer doesn't have the support of the manufacturer, they get burned out and, Mm. and then they themselves start to kind of lose interest, you know, and they start looking for other areas of opportunity. Like I'm passionate about stuff. Right, like I, I like ski do snowmobiles a lot. I, they, as we've talked about, I, they, it checks every box for me and for a lot of our customers or whatever. But if they started doing stupid shit like that, I would just be looking for another brand to make sure our business was successful. Like we're not a we're not a ski do store. We're Alaska Mining and Diamond Supply, right? We're not an Articat store. We're Alaska Motorsports and Equipment. So our job, especially as an employee-owned company, is to make the best decisions that we can for our company based on the financial success of the the employee owners, the shareholders. Yeah. If I, if you held on to cat just because you loved cat and it just kept dragging you down and, and hurting the bottom line that you're, I mean, 
you should get fired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can't bring that emotional out. attitude to your business. No, you can't, you cannot, you could certainly start your business because of an emotional trigger or whatever, but you're a passion. Yeah, yeah. Or a passion, but you, then it becomes a business, right? Yeah. And <laughs> unless you're a not for profit, which none of the things I'm involved in are <laughs> these, these yeah. projects. And, and so, that's a great question. It's a, and you can tell probably by the almost the I have hesitancy in my voice because I just don't know. Yeah. But yeah. I also know we're positioning that business to not. I mean, okay, bye. Yeah, okay, it's yeah. not gonna like yeah, make or break it. Go somewhere else. We're we're gonna work on other things. They're gonna have their diversify. Own give us more room on the showroom and it'll free up more capital. It'll give us you know the mental capacity to bring on. Some, I mean, we sell Articats next to tractors now, and tractors are killing. Tractors carried us through the first year. Tractors. Yeah. Are you are you guys dealing Mahindras? Yeah. Is that what you're dealing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I don't know a lot about tractors. You look like but, you know a lot about tractors. I, I know. I mean, I know New Holland <laughs> and, get those and all those. <laughs> yeah, square exactly. bill hat, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> All you need to know Straw. about Mahindra is they're the number one tractor manufacturer on earth. Okay. Number three in the U.S. behind John Deere and Kubota, of course. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they're, it's an Indian company and they do things real different than anybody else. They're super arrogant, but they build really reliable shit and their tractors are awesome. That's like the quick version of that. Yeah. And I seriously think it was a great move for us to add me into our lineup because I think that every single Alaskan man or woman who owns more well than an acre should have a fucking tractor. Amen. Yeah. Like, do you want to pick up a bale of hay or even, I talked to one guy at the state snow, fair, man. Yeah. So I talked to a guy at the state fair. He's like, I don't even pick up my garbage anymore. I dump it out onto the, I carry it out, you know, I drag the thing and I dump it in the driveway. I get the tractor and I buck, put the, pick it up in the bucket and put it in the, you know? Yeah. I want like, one yeah, for downtown man. to move those stands around. Dude. <laughs> there you go. And there's be a, a tractor co-op. <laughs> we were, we, I was talking to, to uh, I don't know if you know Jeremy who has the 907 surplus, but I was talking, speaking of epic beards, you haven't met that guy? You know Jeremy? Jeremy. Uh, uh, maybe. I've heard of him. I haven't met him in person. Over off of Spinard? No, he's off of, he's up here off of Boniface. Okay. Uh, Boniface in the highway. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He, he's, yes. Yeah, he's yes. a customer of ours for a while but the dude has an epic beard i mean it's we like both want like down to here no no like, oh oh beardo with three o's <laughs> like beard, well, totally it like flies out to like they invite him places for his beard but wins competitions he's got waiters yeah. for yeah. his beard it's totally but he but he like we, we were talking about doing a um uh, a raffle for the alaska outdoor council like to raise some money or whatever and and we started talking about sleds and four wheelers we did a we did a raffle with him for some at for a side by side last year and i was like we were, he's like, yeah, I'd like to get into maybe doing something different next year. You know, we did we did the side by side. We're gonna do the snow machine this time, and I gotta really get outside the box. And I'm like, man, we we do a tractor. He's like, yeah, man, but the money. I'm like, if you haven't shopped for a tractor, you can buy a pretty badass tractor for like fifteen, sixteen, seventy thousand bucks. Like, it ain't a big ass tractor, but it's a tractor that any anybody would be super stoked to have around their property. And he was just like, are you kidding me? Really? And it's like seriously considering talking about doing it. I mean, because that's like the—that's a demographic of any outdoor enthusiast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, big you know? time. Anybody yeah. with a cabin or anything like oh, that, yeah. property. Yeah. You find yeah. somebody to use it, bust that thing out. Yeah, so, pulling stumps or so. Yeah, if 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 cat goes away, more tractors. 
There you, you go. Know. I hope they don't because I because I, I think for the snow machine industry as a whole, having Arctic Cat there, it's one of the you know you got the four pillar brands now. You've got that's all you've had for a while. You know when we were all like before we were all born, there was like at one time there was like thirty something plus snow machine brands that were rolling around. Like, oh, it's crazy, man! Yeah, eighties and nineties. So who's everyone now? Ski Doo, Polaris, Cat, Yamaha. Oh, Yamaha. And arguably Yamaha is not a player, but they're still manufacturing snowmobiles and they still make some pretty cool technology. Hey man, I got a VMAX. <laughs> and they partnered with Cat. They like they put yeah, yeah. That's the Yama Cat, right? The Yama Cat. The Yama Cat. So you mentioned earlier um, another. Do you guys plan on having another like store somewhere in town or yeah. in Inglewood River somewhere else? It's in. A, it's going to be real close to where we are now. Like okay. real close. We've already purchased the building and we've already got the property and we're already. Uh, we're accepting bids on some parts of the project already. Is it a space thing? You need some more? It's a space thing. Yeah. Yeah, okay. and again, back to the redheaded stepchild. This is like, that's how the business started, but it's such a small part of the business. Mm. But yeah. it's a small part of the business because we haven't focused on it because we've focused on where the big money is. Yeah, power sports. Power sports and marine. And so, yeah. It, but there's, again, back to just recreation, right? Like recreational gold panning and prospecting treasure hunting blowing metal detecting. it's blowing up it's so freaking cool it yeah. is so fucking cool we just did my kids and i just did our first i got a rock tumbler for him for christmas mm -hmm. we just oh, did our first batch that, man. they're they're jacked on it man they're all of a sudden they're like what's that made of what's that come from how's that formed right like it's just mm -hmm. conversations with the kiddos and my kid has a metal detector we keep on the boat man mm -hmm. he gets off on the beach and he swings that thing <laughs> looking for treasure he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing you find anything cool <laughs> Cool ass rusted nails and shit. Tons mm -hmm. of garbage that's now on my boat because yeah. you know that's his treasure. But that's his treasure, hundred percent. And we actually straight ended up from Japan. No shit. We uh, <laughs> straight true. We went and stayed at um, in Hobo Bay. Um, this was two summers ago, and he had first has metal detector, and there was another couple families. Hobo Bay's big, and we were um, we were planning to go up to the granite mine in the morning, go for a hike, and and. No kidding. One of the kids like, oh, dad, can I go to the boat and get a metal detector? And my kid's like, you have a metal detector? He's like, yeah. He's like, well, I have a metal detector. And the next thing you know, oh it's like the next God. four fucking hours, he's two years old. But it's treasure hunting is freaking yeah. awesome, man. Yeah, and, oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. And you can actually make some money doing it. And, and one of the founders of our company is literally the, like, the most world-renowned metal detector specialist on the planet, Steve Hirschbach. He's He's got us, he's just like literally the most world renowned guy. And we, at our peak, we were selling hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of metal detectors a year, like tons of them. And the technology is crazy. So dedicating the space to this treasure hunting, prospecting, and some of the bigger gold mining equipment. We've got a great guy now, Scott, that's down there that, um, he's just, he's awesome. He actually, uh, he has gold claims where I, uh, where I hunt in 13. And so that's how I actually met him. And it turns out that he was looking to get out of, you know, I want to prospect as much. I want to be in town, be around my family more. And I'm like, well, man, you can, you can come work for us and use your expertise to help us build this store. And he's yeah. like, yeah, I'm in. So we found a super rad dude. That's wow. Cool. Yeah, diamond in the rough kind of a guy. And yeah, so he'll be helping us open match. that store up. Yeah. What they're working this week, literally on, <laughs> Um, placing massive orders for that store because we had to delay opening from January to September because we just couldn't get anything. Mm. So mm. We, it was either open the doors empty or take our time, and we have yeah. plenty of time. So yeah, yeah. come out swinging. Like oh, well, not big hammers. Yeah, yeah. and then the other homies can see how you guys, you know, your culture on your your main main location. Yeah, yeah. and and so 
Mahindra is your guys are probably the premier dealer now. We're the them. only dealer in Alaska. The only dealer, so definitely the premier. Um, as it pertains to to mining stuff, again, you guys will be kind of the only show in town, right? There's another couple little spots scattered throughout the state, but it's gonna, the store will be the Alaska Mining and Diving supply superstore so it'll be back to the roots like mm. alaska mining and diving supply was the name of the store but we're a ski do dealer a kingfisher dealer cannon dealer right so it'll be amd ss so it'll be a mining superstore where the logo is already all designed the signs are made stickers are done Fucking badass. and it, it will be it's finally like for the prospector and the miner that's like you guys have been really pissing me off these last few years right like you always squishing it into the back corner of the store you yeah. want everything i want gotta It'll order everything no, 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 no. you guys excuses. brought it up to the front come uh we, covid time we did because we, no <laughs> we didn't have nothing else, but but we we're gonna di we're gonna give it the attention it needs. And there's a big community out there of people that are that are prospectors that are that are super excited about what we're they doing. They gotta yeah. live the dream, man. Yeah. yeah, I love that you guys are returning returning to your roots of what the business originally was. And it needs to be spun off because it's it doesn't do anybody any favors. Like it it just gets kind of used this area. Yeah, it, it and then it doesn't it, do justice. Justice to that cause and passion yeah. for so, people coming in. And the, mm -hmm. the power equipment goes really good with it. Generators and all that oh, stuff. Dude. We've got chainsaws over at the other stores. The We've tractors, got Husky. I mean, the tractors. All this stuff goes like hand in hand with everything. Yep. yep. So it'll be, that'll be positioned right next, literally next door to the tractor. So it's going to all. Fucking sweet. That's yep. nice. Flowing. That's yep. nice. Cool. Well, that kind of transitioned me into, um, I don't know if it's the third or fourth thing you guys got going on or the hundredth. Uh, with the book, with the book stuff, man, you came in here with like five different books, and I know that we talked before on the podcast about the cruising guide uh, to Prince William Sound that you guys uh, bought the rights to sell that, um, along with some of these other books. So I kind of want to get into these books that you guys are offering that are very Alaska-based, important things that I, I would think everyone would want or, or need. Yeah. So. The book thing is kind of funny because it's um, it's connected to Alaska Mining Devon Supply because that's how I found out about it. But my wife and I actually bought Prince William Sound books from, and, and most people don't know about these other titles. It's funny people are like they they wrote this other stuff too. Like people <laughs> yeah. don't know it exists. Yeah. But a lot of what's in the cruising guide in terms of history and stuff comes from these other books. And and so the cruising guide to Prince William Sound is like the, whatever it's the it's the Bible. The Prince That's right. You got to have it, man. Yeah, and and so I always knew about the book. I'd use the book. I've have mm -hmm. I've have several copies of it all the time. And we've been selling it at Last Mining Diving forever. And I had met Nancy Lethko because she'd come in and how many books you guys need, and we would order books mm. from her and stuff. And then, you know, and and again, summary of the story: Jim passes away, and Jim and Nancy started this back in the eighties, and and plenty before that because they'd been boating for a long time and we'll 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 uh we'll get into we'll get into more detail on that later but she he, he passes away and then a little bit while later she becomes pretty sick uh to where she really kind of can't carry on anymore and the last cruising guide update was in 2009 which if you're talking about just the way the world's changing and, mm -hmm. and earthquakes I mean, facilities yeah. and infrastructure and earthquakes and all these kinds of things like that's pretty outdated and uh I had heard it was like available for sale and my wife and I, we talked about it, but they were in contract negotiations with a, a, a pretty big publisher in town. And I just assumed at that point, I'm like, I can't play in that arena. Like yeah. this is a, this would be a passion project for us. But I was concerned. I'm like, but man, my big place takes it over. They're going to do it justice. Are they just going to yeah. throttle this thing into people's hands until it doesn't sell anymore and it's outdated? And I dropped it. 
I just dropped it. I walked away from it. And, and we, uh, one of those like family, totally, totally not my plan. This, I firmly believe this is a God's plan thing. COVID comes along. We talked about that earlier, like in the, in the mining and diving world, I was in Whittier when we found out that it was 15 days to flatten the curve. Right. And immediate board meeting, I'm on the phone. I'm like, fuck, we're going to shut the doors. Game over. And within two weeks of that, I get a call from um, Nancy's sister and she's in Nebraska and she's like, Hey Nick, I understand you and Nancy um, had a relationship, you know, about her and you've been selling the book at the store. Are you guys interested in buying the book? And I'm like, I'm interested hundred percent. I'm interested. Absolutely. What, and we got to talking about it and long story short, we put together a deal and made a contract and got the book company purchased. And, um, it was a blessing because at that time of COVID we had to pull, we decided to pull our kids out of school, right? We're, we're like, we're done with this. My, wherever you stand on that, and I don't, I haven't heard if you had a show on that or not, but my kid was not wearing a mask to school. Right. And we weren't dealing with that. I wasn't dealing with it. And we had just had a baby. So she has a newborn and we're dealing with that. And so she can't go back to work because we can't find childcare for the kids. So she had to quit her state job, which state jobs are pretty good. It's pretty lucrative, right? Good benefits and stuff. And yeah. So we were like, well, we got to quit the job, but we got to figure out how to pay for health insurance. We know Alaska mining and diving supply provides medical insurance to an extent, right? We with offsetting costs or whatever, but it's still really, really expensive. And so the book company came along. We're like, this is perfect. We'll just make just enough money to pay for our family medical insurance. And like, so it was like, just, just aligned. Like the day that happened, that happened. And the next thing happened. Mm-hmm. And then we acquired the book company and everybody knows the cruising guide to Prince William Sound. That was easy. There was a bunch of pent up demand. I mean, there was copies on eBay for $2,500. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. let, let me just like click in here, like at this exact times when I bought my boat. And so Nick and I, I think that's our first like text messages back and forth where it was like, I'm trying to find the boat or the book. Yep. Like all my friends have the book. People are going to lend me the book. And by the way, I, I thought you were an old on, guy back then. Oh, I thought you were you? this old dude back then. That's pretty funny. <laughs> but I like posted something on Facebook and we have mutual friends. So I mean, immediately, um, Jen Siegelhorst, like she's like, I got three and came to the cider and gave me one. Gideon one put, put one in the mail with like a heartfelt message. Nice. And the same day, Nick's like, Hey, next week I'm publishing for the first time the fifth edition. So they're back on the market because they're literally like 500 plus dollars on eBay yep. or you can't find them. Oh, and be lucky. He sent me a copy that he made himself in like made photocopies. And oh, sent a it, copy a of three the copy. being a three ring. I'm need his phone so number. I ended up with <laughs> yeah, four of them. Uh, time out, bro. This is Hold before on. we knew that you were doing that. So he was just worried about me, right? He was just being a good buddy. So within like one, you know, one day I literally got four copies, but I mean, you came through because we all need this, right? And we, yeah. we wanted, like, my biggest fear, my, my true fear was, like, it had nothing to do, like, we wanted to have a little business deal so that we could, like, we needed, we had a need for our family, but our, our my biggest concern was that it would just, like, quietly fall by the wayside. Like, it falls apart and nobody picks it up or some big publishing company picks it up and destroys yeah, it totally. and ruins, ruins it. the essence of it or whatever. So when we, when we went into the, there was a pretty length, it's pretty funny cause it was a pretty small transaction, but it was a pretty lengthy contract negotiation cause Nancy's sister was really adamant that, um, they, 
got a lot of credit for the book, right? So yeah, we, we got all that stuff put together. And I was like, listen, we're, we're committed. Like, I'm not trying to change it to the cruising guide to Prince William Sound by Nick Olsenak. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't write that fucking book, right? Like, yeah, that, yeah. that book is lifetime, two people's lifetimes. Yeah. Carry on the legacy. Yeah. That's exactly the term that I used was that we want to carry on the legacy. And I mm -hmm. think in the preface, I think I say that in the preface because we pulled her preface out because, of course, at the time she's the publisher, our preface acknowledges and um, sort of, um, uh, I don't know what the Gives word homage. is. But yeah, yeah, totally to, to, to who all the input came from. And then, and then we have this whole new generation of people that have been like, we, we did a big photo contest on Facebook and we had a, I mean, it was crazy the amount of people that submitted photos to our photo contest for that cruising guide because we wanted to freshen it up a little bit, right? Yeah, so yeah. It's pretty old shit. Yeah. In there. Some yeah. 80s pictures and shit, yeah. You seen the picture of the naked guy? Did you just, have you seen that? There's a, uh, there's a fully fucking naked dude in there that nobody knows about. You got to find him. There, so you can do that. Thing. What so page? Naked. He's like, where's Waldo? Page. <laughs> we didn't know about it either until after we bought We were like, there's what? And right here. Where's Waldo? It's in there, man. But... We, yeah, we, so we wanted to memorialize Jim and Nancy, and we wanted to make sure that the thing got done. And, and at first, we were just scrambling to keep up with copies. We were right. like, when we when we bought the book company, it came. There was five hundred copies with, that came with it, and we we're like, because they had just gotten printed, and then they were just sitting there. And we we're like, all right, that should be enough to get us through the pent up demand. And that was like one day's worth. Fuck, it wasn't even a fraction. Yeah, I couldn't keep up, and it was. But then, and then again, we just keep producing the book, and it keeps selling. And I'm like, we we have to just stop at the next printing. We have to just stop, let the stuff sell, and we have to get some updates in the book. Getting an, an old book isn't bad at all. There's great, there's tons of shit in it. And plus everybody's using GPSs and all kinds of rad stuff yeah, now. Yeah. So it's not like you're really, you're not navigating with the book. It was never intended for that. Yeah. It's just all the, it's, it's like, formative. it's all the pro tips, right? Yeah. Like it, yeah, it's all super the nuances to specific bays and areas yeah. and just the cool little shit that Prince William Sound has. And you can't know it unless you do it or read this book, right? Right. You, just, you can't know it. So yeah. like. When I'm going into a harbor, even if I've been in there a thousand times, it's open to that, or a harbor, a, a bay, or anything. Yep. It's open to that page every time, because there's always a thing that I'm like, oh yeah, don't forget about that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, anyway, we've had, we had tons of photos, we had lots of input, we had a huge bunch of help from a, a lot of people uh, throughout the community. And the sixth edition will be, I mean, it's like, it's fully revised, the front and back cover look sexy, finally. Like, I love this, because it's like, it's like nostalgic and it, it's alaskan dude. but we're, we're so modernizing the look yeah and yeah, we like it we added full color photos we added an advertising section and the advertising section is really only geared around this time around prince really prince william sound businesses that people would actually be like oh shit i didn't know that existed mm. instead of like just go around anchorage and find a whole bunch of breweries and cideries to, yeah. to make a bunch of money because that wasn't the intention right the intention was we're going to do this many ads because if we do this many it'll pay for the production costs and get the book back into print without becoming a magazine mm -hmm. because All that's right. not what we wanted it to do yeah because we could have i mean we could have sold that hard and made a lot of money yeah you don't want it to look like a sellout thing i don't yeah. um it's it's going to still be spiral bound it's very similar but the whole yeah, inside cool. is totally redone and re-energized yeah and so and again without getting into su super detail it the content in that book is like scattered across these other books that I didn't even know existed. Yeah. I mean, we, we sell them. We've been selling them for years. I knew they're on my shelf, but I didn't pay attention to them. I didn't care. I read the history to Prince William sound book right after we bought the company. I was like, Holy shit. There's a lot of crazy stuff in here. I mean, like 
Raping, murdering, pillaging, killing, sinking ships, destroying villages, ruining piracy and fucking madness in yeah. Prince Sound, man. Yeah. And the there's little excerpts and like, oh, I remember reading about that mm-hmm. on this, but there's just like a little bit. It doesn't ever say in there, go to there to read that. It just yeah. it's just a little, there. A little blurb. That weather and climate to Prince William Sound book. That's cool, man. There's a whole section in the front of the book about the weather and climate. All comes out of this book, and you'll it, it'll melt your brain if you're not ready to read it. Like you need to smoke some weed or eat some mushrooms or drink yeah. some cider or whatever. Brush up, brush up on your. But I'm telling you, it like it answers all the questions that people are like. Man, I went I went into that protected anchorage and the wind just blew all night. But I was surrounded by mountains and I'm like, yeah, you you need to read this book yeah. because it's there's it's blown over the top there. Yeah, bro. It's yeah. A, it it isn't like there's a yeah there's a fence. I stand behind it and the wind doesn't blow. Like it doesn't work like that when you're talking about Prince William Sound. So there's all these other titles that have been so exciting to learn about. And we're not even scratching the surface on updating those yet, right? Like we, we're, we'll get to that at some point too. But the focus right now was for us to get the sixth edition of the cruising guide out. It's not ready yet. Like as we're speaking tonight, we're really close. I was hoping to to bring a copy to just kind of tease you with, but we're just yeah. we're not there yet. Because just like with every other industry and every other thing, there's a million roadblocks and hurdles and things to deal with right now. Yeah, but yeah, but we're so stoked to keep it alive, and it connects to to me. It connects to Alaska mining and diving because we're going to sell the book there of course it'll sell online yeah but every single boat owner it just should just come with it like it it, totally absolutely and it's even like i've noticed too like Like a slide with a cover i mean (laughs) just like that not with it extra money but but no that's the expedition series what i've noticed about like the, the, the most telling thing for me about, because there's like tourism is a big deal in Alaska and like mm. a lot of people outside Alaska are buying this book from us on our website. And I like, at first I really just couldn't comprehend it. And then I'm like, well, these folks are going to come to Alaska for an adventure at some point in time. Mm. And there really aren't a lot of Alaska adventure books. This book is called The Cruising Guide to Prince William Sound, but we all, everybody that knows it, it ain't a cruising guide. It's an adventure guide, yeah. right? It doesn't matter what you want to do out there. There's even some, now that I've been so much more intimate with it, and my wife has literally read it cover to cover now three or four times in the yeah. last month. Mm. And and I'll be reading a section with her, and I'll be looking at something, and I'll be like, really, it says, this isn't a popular anchorage during hunting season. I wonder why that would be. <laughs> they don't talk about hunting or what you would hunt there or why you would be there, but there's all these little other clues I never mm. noticed before because you're not going to go to it and be like, oh, go shoot, there's deer here, or this is a great bear spot. You just, you. they talk about the timing and why they won't go there because they weren't hunters. Oh, right. So okay. they didn't write about that. And they even specifically call out in the cruising guide why they don't talk about hunting and why they don't talk about fishing. Controversial topics, so many different things to know. And so they say that we suggest you go here and look at that or whatever. And in the future, and if you're listening to this and you're like, man, I got some ideas for you, uh, go on social media and go to PWS books and give us insight. But that's a book for today, right? Yeah. Right now it's a book. There will always be a place for the cruising guide book in a boat. And I will always, as long as, as long as my wife and I are in in charge of that thing, it will always produce a paper copy to go in a boat because you just have to, right? Yeah. You have to. Yeah. The way, the way we do it is so we, we have three copies, right? We have a copy in every person, every adult that rides in the boat often's house and then one on the boat. And then you get the highlighted one at home with all the little, you know, marks to where yeah, you're you going to go next you can mark it all up and, and when you when you take for our, our group because you know we're two boat owners that are adults 
uh, living in separate households or whatever, Jake and I. And so he, he'll bring his boat with it, his copy with it marked out. Like, you know, this is what I want to do and leave it on there and then take the boat copy home next time. And then I'm reading mine, highlighting mine, marking mine. And then next time I go, it gets left on there. So all of them end up with these like cool spots and you like flip it open. And you're like, fuck, what's that one? You know? And it's like, Oh, Jake found this thing. This thing looks rad. You know, let's go check that out. Yep. And I want what I, what I visualize is that like all those, it's like you're one of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people with notes, right? When I bought our most current boat, it had the third edition in it uh-huh. and I pulled it out and it had like, a thousand fucking post-it notes yeah, everywhere yeah, that's right. stacked in there. And I, I had called him when we started the revision. He, he got re he's, uh, got restationed for work over in, um, over near Dubai mm. and the book's still here in his house in Anchorage cause his contract will run out and he'll move back and he couldn't find it. But I'm like the next time we do an update, that's the shit that I want. I want, yeah. I want to go deep oh. and a lot of people aren't going to share some stuff and I totally understand that's that. That's fine. Yeah. But I want paper copy, and then I don't know what the digital version looks like. People are asking and begging for digital, and I and I I hear you, and I'm a tech. I mean, clearly, in the previous in earlier in the show, right? We're talking about technology and innovation and all that sort of stuff. There will still always be this place for this book. Oh, though, because, absolutely. The um, paper copy. You have to have yeah, it. Yeah. So yeah. we will always have it, but there will eventually be some variation of it available, whether it's in sections or by subscription or whatever input people give us that would be the most handy on a tablet or a laptop or a cell phone. Um, And with the technology and GPS and and cell service getting so good, you know, like, and I'll just, I'll call it out because I want to hear feedback, but like I would, I envision, you know, you get an, I always have an iPad. I have four screens on my boat plus an iPad because I, whatever. Just nerding out. out, nerding the fuck out. But <laughs> could you imagine, you know, where you have location services turned on and you start rolling up on your spot and would you like to navigate to, right? And you click mm. that and the notes come up. You can mm. swipe those to the side. That would be cool. You know what I mean? Like something like that's a little, that's a little bit more intuitive. So you've got, again, a supplement to your chart plotter because I would never want that popping up on your chart plotter and you navigating with it. Yeah. it would. Mm-hmm. You got your chart plotter navigator. That's for navigation. The book clearly says not for navigation. And then you would just have those like cliff notes that are right there on your, and it yep. knows where you are. Good reference to those. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's like, maybe that's a way to bridge the gap between a well, book and technology. And I think it connects like the one weakness of the book. And the one weakness in the book is it's really hard to follow where you are in the sound to where you are in the book without looking up a name in you the have to back. And then when you come back, it's not super intuitive. There's not like a main, you know, picture of the greater area. And it's like, Hey, the next Latitude, 12 pages spot or just like a map. And then like the next 12 pages are going to talk about different spots on this. Right. It, it's, it's not set up like that. You really have to be aware of like, okay, I know where, you know, uh, shoestring Bay is or whatever. And, uh, don't tell anybody where that is, by the way. That's my spot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's not in the book, page nine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You get torn up pretty fast there. You can. Yeah. But I, I like what you're saying. And like in the, um, you know, there's like some chart pages, like right before section two, which is where all the like anchorages yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah, start. Yeah, yeah. But they're super ancient. Yeah. And another product that Prince William Sound Books, the parent, the, the company that we've, that we have that, that sells that book and produces that book. We have a bunch of other products now, and this is not a plug for those products, but what I want to do is we have a bunch of chart booklets that we sell and they, they do just that. Like we've got the, we've got the chart booklet East and chart booklet West that does like 13 or nine 
really popular charts in those areas. Mm -hmm. And then we have like one chart each, like one six seven hundred, one six seven zero six, one six seven one. And so what I what I really what eventually we will do is I want the um, I want that information so there'll be like the whole chart will be there, and it'll say reference this other book. And so not that you want to have a thousand books on board, but you just have like reference if you're in the Western sound. Yeah. So you'd have, then you'd have actual Noah chart data that you can reference with the correct names that you can reference back to the page number. And that's, that is a hole that we found too. I love that. Yeah. So I want to navigate right to that spot. Yeah. Yeah. And and I wanted to do it in this version, but once we just started diving into just cleaning up the the book, now they did a great, Jim and Nancy did a great job. There's tons of information, but it's just, again, it's a really antiquated product. So the number one thing was like, oh, let's see an emergency phone number that hasn't been in service in 15 years, right? Let's get that out of there. Or like current maps of the harbors and the services offered, right? Like that was where we wanted to focus this time around. So that's all been cleaned up and updated. And then in the future, like more at navigational aids or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that was, um, and that's like, it's funny because that's a spinoff of being at mining and diving for so long, right? And like being super passionate about boating in Prince William Sound. And that started, that's like a, that actually started just after the salt company thing started, you know, and I was saying earlier how we're boat people, you know, Mm -hmm. our our partners in the salt company, they're not boat people. They are now, but they're not boat people. They weren't boat people. And so like, I can't believe you invited us in this tiny little space that you inhabit and you allowed us, we spent every fucking weekend together on this boat. Four adults, at the time, it was four adults, three kids, and two dogs. At one point, their dog chewed through my chest freezer when we were out getting our take of salmon for the year. Like, I don't fuck around and fish all the time. I go one day, and I get it all. And I fill yeah, the, bring yeah. the freezer on the boat, and I fill it. I freezer pack it, and then I hoist it off the boat, and I take it home, and I plug it in for the year. That's I'm done fishing, right? <laughs> yeah. And they're, God, freaking dog. We're out on the beach, and I'm like, we get back, and I'm like, that's weird. There's the cord to the freezer. Dog's not dead. And he chewed through the cord. So we had just had like these great experiences, right? But it ended up that being together on the boat, we were, I think I was telling you earlier, we were like, we're, sh- we're shrimping. And of course the cruising guides involved were like, you know, finding places to stay that maybe we could have a family go to the beach yeah. and camp because we now have more people on the boat than we've ever had before. Yeah. We've never had to look at the sound up. like that. Yeah. You're like, where's the tent platform? Yeah. Like I didn't even know or that did existed. Did you update the tent platforms? As many of them as we could. So yeah. t- uh, some of them are like mysteries. Two total. Like, what? There's one here. Tim Lydon mm-hmm. from the Chugash National Forest was extremely helpful. He's also with part of the Prince William Sound Stewardship Foundation, right? He's and he's an avid boater. We went to the um, uh, Fox Farm, Ellerington Island cleanup last year with him, and oh, he cool. extensively wrote on a lot of those topics. But we didn't hit them all, and so we we know we're gonna have. This thing is so it was so out of date that we again we had to hit all the priority. And it's areas. a huge area, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's bigger than like most western it's states. Five million know? acres. <laughs> yeah. How do you even really like cover it all? It's well Well, how did this t- one couple cover it all? That's well, what's crazy. When you read parts of the guide and they're like, Yeah, you know, one winter we spent in dangerous passage and you're like, Well, that's how they spent the entire winter. That's how they know what it's like there, because they literally they just boat all the time. out. They yeah, boat, they boat all the time, and, and that's what's like. And I try to I talk about this on my show, which probably doesn't have reach as many people that are outdoor adventures enthusiasts as probably your show does, or as broad of an audience. But like, and I mentioned it before, like winter boating, 
you need to be prepared for sure. Absolutely. But you need to be prepared to drive your fucking car from Chugiak to Anchorage, right? Like, yeah. You need, so just a different set of circumstances. But I, like I said, I was just boating last weekend and it had my, had I known or been a little bit more prepared, I would have not even come back in on Saturday. I would have stayed. It was flat, calm, like a pancake all weekend. And we last, when, when, when the COVID thing kicked up, we moved onto our boat in March because we were staying in a condo in Whittier and we moved onto our boat because the condo people didn't want us there because we were Anchorage people because I commuted we were back, and back and forth. Yep. Mm-hmm, so they wanted us out. And I was like, fine, we'll move out, go stay on our boat. We just boated every week. And that, the, the year in, in, when COVID started in, the, in 20, right? Yep. When that all shit went down in March, it was sunny for like 13 weekends in a row in Flat oh, Home. Yeah. I don't even know how that happened, but I would have never done that before. And so we were going to the beach and climbing up three foot you know, walls of snow and going hiking and doing all kinds of stuff and enjoying ourselves. And like people are so limited to thinking that they should just be there for this finite amount of time. The the book talks about how to anchor in those conditions and where to anchor in those conditions. And there's some anchorages in the sound that they that they describe sitting at anch- and on anchor and watching 50 and 60 knot squalls blow by and never even feeling a puff of wind, right? And we all dream about those places. Like those nook, are, nooked in that little sweet spot. Th- those are the places that you want to know about, right? Yeah. Like that in yeah. almost any condition, you're not going to get blown off the hook. And so anyway, it's been, um, it's been a really fun experience, like getting into that book so much more intimately than we were before. Before it was a tool for us. And now there's like, Oh, there's a lot more to learn. Yeah, and yeah. you're part yeah. of it now. Yeah, and so many more. And like, like I said, on, on we were out on Saturday for three hours. I never, never saw a soul. <sighs> That's I love beautiful, that, man. And all your uh, experiences and adventures. Um, is there a, a a story that stands out to you that was like life or death that you want to share? Um, the first thing that comes to mind is a Prince William Sound story. For sure. Mm. And it was a hunting story, so you guys will probably appreciate that a little more than my bullshit snowmobiling stories. So it was wintertime? It's November. Mm-hmm. It was, it what, it's what started my, my November annual birthday deer hunting trips. Okay. <clears throat> which were almost wildly unsuccessful every single time. Yeah. Prince William Sound deer hunting can be a crapshoot, right? Big time. I, I had uh, the use of a 28-foot kingfisher that we had as a demo. And it has a single 300 Avenue on it. And I was like, a couple of guys that have gotten me into moose hunting pretty good. Um, I invited him to go on a trip with me. I'm like, we'll go do a few nights and we'll, we'll go out to Naked Island. It'll be good. I knew a little bit about the weather and a lot. I mean, I can't say a lot. I knew a little bit about the weather and I knew what I was getting myself into. But we left on a pretty beautiful winter, pretty typical winter November day in Whittier, right? And um, wind blowing out of the east. So coming at us the whole way out, three, four footers, 28 foot Kingfisher. Yeah. I'm skipping across the top. I'm only doing like 25, 28 knots just to conserve fuel. And a Bayliner leaves around the same time as me, but a bigger one with some horsepower behind it. And of course, only thing in my mind is this clown is going exactly where I am. So I have to race him to get to where I'm going so that I can get the only spot that you can possibly anchor in the area I'm going to, right? We get right about to Perry Island. And now it's like five footers. And this boat is just a little bit ahead of me to this, to starboard. And he turns broadside to these five foot waves. And I'm watching him for a minute. And I'm like, he's broadside still. He's broadside still. He doesn't have a kicker. He doesn't have a dinghy. He's broadside. So I, re- I hailed him because I'm like, 
if I get around Perry Island, I'm not going to be able to hear him anymore. And there ain't nobody out here to help this guy. Turns out I hailed him. On and he, 16? Or? I hailed him on the 16, and he, uh, he responds that he's dead in the water and doesn't have a dinghy and doesn't have a spare motor and is drifting like 12 knots to the west side of Perry Island towards the rocks. And there's no beach on that side yeah, of Perry yeah, Island. Yeah, just yeah. cliffs. Just rocks and cliffs. Mm-hmm. And there's sea lions. Yeah, to eat you. Yeah. <laughs> Those things are scary, man. Anyway, I'm like, they are, but I, and, and I'm like, they almost got Brooks last summer. Yeah. Dog. Yeah. That's scary. Yeah. I would never let my dog off the boat. Oh like, yeah, man. We were playing I, fetch. Yeah, I saw him over there, that bull, like, I don't know, 300 yards away. I was like, Oh, I'm fine with it. You know, throw some, she, he went under, I was like, all right, Brooks come out. You know, she came out and like, I mean, like two minutes later right came up right where she was. It's just like, Where's my food? Sketchy. Oh, no, so I'm like, all right, I'm I've got to help the guy, right? <clears throat> so I go over to him and I get him to get me a line, and it's like it's blowing pretty good, but now we're only going eight knots towing. There's a it was a 34 foot bay liner, and I'm towing him in. Now I'm with the wind, so I've got a following sea that's just a little bit faster than me. And so I'm, we're rocking around, but I got all the windows open now and the sun shining and I've got a following sea and I'm, and so I'm, I'm only feeling like five knots in the boat wind. So we got Bob Marley playing and I'm sure there was a couple cocktails out cause we're going eight. Yeah. Nights, you guys you know. are in a good, good place. Yeah. Seven hours later, <laughs> I get him to the fuel dock and I've, I haven't burned much fuel cause I was barely idling to towing him. So I'm like, I did the calculations. I got plenty of fuel left. It was that boat had like a 200 and. 25 gallon tank or something it was a little bigger than what i think you could get on those other like oh, the newer like the newer ones yeah i want to say that's like a 185 or yeah, something like they were that. a little bigger with the older one and then they shrunk the tank yeah. but why'd they do that uh they didn't listen to alaska dealers for a minute oh, man i mean there's they, just never enough fuel somebody wanted more storage over more fuel and we were like that's just stupid oh, okay 30, 40, you can still get it. Okay. Well, so so I'm like, okay, well, cool. And he's like, hey, I want to give you some money. And I'm like, that would be great. That would be great because I probably burn, you know, quite a bit of fuel. And uh, so actually, I and I, I I take that back. We did have to get fuel. But I unhooked from him. Harbmaster came out and got him. He hung out the window, <clears throat> grabbed me one of those, like, Contico coffee cups, threw me the coffee cup. I opened it. I saw some Benjamins in there. I'm like, all right, cool. So I went to the fuel dock. I filled up. It was like four fifty. There was three hundred bucks in the coffee cup. I was like, all right, this is starting off pretty fucked up. But I, I did my part. Right, it cost me 150 bucks to help this guy. It took cost me a day. Right, we still left yeah. that night. We go out, and uh, the weather had laid down just a little bit. So we get all the way out, and um, the first night started snowing, and it started blowing somewhere around 60 knots out of the east and it was just coming down off naked island right into outside bay and i couldn't i was we were in cabin bay at the time so the northern one i don't know much yeah yeah yeah. is cabin bay they got the uh the emergency response nope that's outside bay so that's outside cabin bay Bay is like basically just upwards of the center of the island on the west side and then outside bays below it with the mooring buoys oh right right and so we're blowing around and on on cabin bay and i'm like i can't get the anchor to hold i can't get the anchor to hold i can't get the anchor to hold and it's it's almost complete wide out i'm like we're gonna and i'm so i'm looking at the chart i had never been to naked island before it's my first trip and i'm looking at the charts and i'm like they're in outside bay there's a creek and it looks like a maybe a tidewater slough right and i'm like if i can get the boat up in there it's going to be high tide in about three hours 
we can get in there and then I won't be able to drag, I won't drag anchor. We can get some sleep. So I go to go outside of Cabin Bay to outside Bay and it's 25 footers immediately as soon as I got uh, to the, to the, around the corner there. As soon as I got around the corner, I couldn't turn the boat around. Oh shit. And I'm, you know, in the, 25 foot seas. 25. And so you're like going down in between them now. I wasn't going down in between them. I was stuck down in between them because I had that thing firewalled and I could not get the boat to climb up the other side. So I'm like down at the helm like this, right? Looking up for the top of the wave just to get orientation. There's no light. It's pitch yeah. black. Oh shit. And so I'm driving by Jeep by the GPS and I'm oh. just looking for the tops of the waves blowing off and I can, I'm making progress just super slow progress it took us a little over two hours just to get around right if you were any other time it'd take you 10 minutes yeah 10 minutes yeah and i got around to where i could see the lights of the emergency response vessel and i'm like yep. okay at least i've got some help if something happens right now so my my i'm down in the, like down in the when we're down in the trough for two hours fighting the current i thought we were going to die i mean like like that's the, that's what the memory i have is it's just black all around me and their waves aren't breaking because they don't break out there. They're, they're just rolling. They're just huge, and their wind's blowing off of them, and you can hear, and it's rocking the boat, and I'm firewalled and can't get what I feel like I can't get the boat to move. And um, so that's, like, the most scary part of the trip. But we – so we get in there, and I'm like, you feel some relief when you see other people. Right? Yeah. So I know the service yeah. vessel is there. I could call for help if it got really bad. Maybe one of the FOSS tugs is around, and they will help us. So I get in around them, and I try to anchor up in the head of the bay, and I'm still – I'm still blowing and I'm drifting. So then the high tide's coming up and I was able to actually go up that Creek and turn into the, that lagoon. And we stayed there for four and a half hours, got a little bit of sleep, pulled the motor up, boat went dry on the mud and, um, pulled the, uh, that must've been the best feeling ever when that boat just stopped. I didn't sleep at all. Oh, okay. Right. Cause I'm yeah. still freaking out. Yeah. Or, yeah. You'd but I felt a lot better. Yeah. yeah. But, but I, uh, so found it, found a good spot. We, and so we, um, we come out of there the next day and we're just done. Right. Like we didn't even yeah, bother. No interest in doing nothing. And it was get get, it snowed a shitload and the weather was down for a minute and we just, we just take off. So we're heading back and we did when we first got to, um, to cabin baby shot one deer on the beach. We were like, so we we're stoked. Ate it that night. It was that big. Gone. <laughs> Three dudes. Gone. First, that was our first Prince William Sound deer, and uh, most delicious. It was so good, um, so good, and so small. Uh, <laughs> we get back, so so now we're heading back across, and I'm like, so the weather's like kind of decent now, right? And so it's like midday, and like fuck, let's dip into North Twin or uh, East mm -hmm. Twin and West Twin Perry, and you know, let's just mm -hmm. let's hit the beaches or whatever. And I shot a fucking huge buck, like. My the biggest buck I'd ever seen in Prince William Sound, especially on Perry Island, and uh, super stoked. Got a big buck, and the tide was just perfect. Where I pulled the boat up to this cliff, and like it just like hovered there. I'm driving the boat. I shot the deer. Get the boat, get back going. Get to the cliff. They jump out, get it gutted, get it back on the boat. And we're off and going again. I'm like, fuck, that was. And we got a buck. Yeah. And we got yeah. a buck. <laughs> I get out from Perry and I start heading down passage or towards passage and i'm right at the same spot that i started towing the boat bottom of port wells cole ross all that shit right there and i got west coming and i got a north wind coming and so i got like three and fives or whatever and i'm the boat's banging 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 and I'm, i look at the anchor and i'm like within i don't even know how many splits of a second it is i can i want i'm like fuck i watch the anchor go boom, boom, pew, straight into the boat i'm like fuck and i put the boat in 
in neutral as fast as I could, and I heard, and I'm like, fuck, we're going down, get the dinghy off the, get the dinghy off the roof, get the kicker right now, get the shit, get the ditch bag, get out of the boat. Like, we're getting out of the boat, we have to get out of the boat, the boat's sinking. And we get all this shit out, get it in the water, the boat's not sinking, they get the, they get the kicker in the boat, but not on the transom, get our shit in the boat, in the dinghy, ready to get in the dinghy, and I'm like, hold on a second. And we're getting tossed everywhere, it's just like five footers, boat's dead in the water, the motor's still running. I'm like, what the fuck, motor's still running. I had took it back to neutral. I was sure that I didn't catch it in time and it would have just blew the gear case, chunked the motor out. I'm looking around, I opened the, in the back of a Kingfisher 28, I opened the back, no water in the back. I'm like, there's no water in the back, so. Wait, so you thought the anchor punctured the hole? Oh, I was 100% positive. Oh, the way, the way it dropped and. It went, it went, dink, dink, and it was gone. And it sucked out, the, the 40 feet of chain was gone in 10 seconds, two seconds. Mm. So I was sure they went into the mm. hole somewhere, right? Yeah, you were full, you were, you were at. Uh, uh, we were probably doing 25 knots. Okay, you're it clipping along like clipping normal. Along. Yeah. And, and I didn't have, well, I'll tell you in a minute. Well, sure, I, sure. I know yeah. what happened now. But, so I'm like, okay, everything's good. We're not taking on water. I look, I pull the motor up. The chain is wrapped around the prop about seven or eight times. I'm like, for sure the gear case has got to be shot. Put the, but we're not taking on water. So put the kicker on the transom let's get that thing fired up and we'll just start making some headway we'll call the like, coast guard now we're coming in or whatever while they're doing that i get the chain off the outboard and i'm like well i'm gonna at least check to see if i think will go in gear i'm like There's, i don't see any oil anywhere I, it didn't it's not wrapped around the gear case it's just the prop did you have to jump in the dinghy and then no. wrap around to no. get to the i was way too scared to get in the water man i was i you were I hung on the over transom the, i hung over the end of the motor with it tipped up oh, oh okay and I just, I did what I could. I got the chain all off there and I spun the prop both directions neutral. I'm like, okay, I'm like, hey, put that thing in gear. Put it in gear. Prop starts spinning. I put it back down. And of course, it's out of the water, which which 100% shouldn't have been. Yeah. Because yeah, I would, yeah. mine was everywhere. I wouldn't recommend right? that. No. Mine was, this all happened really fast, but my mind was just m mush, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally mush. It fucking thing didn't, it didn't do a damn thing except for ding one of the blades of the prop and that was it. Put the dinghy back in the boat. Put the, reeled the chain and alarm back up in <laughs> and got back underway again. Dead silence in the boat, right? Like, damn. so two times I thought I was going to die. Yeah. And the lesson I learned was because this wasn't my boat, the, the, the anchor when this break was loose. So this whole trip was fucking ruined because the windless break was loose. And so at night when the wind was blowing, it was slowly, Paying oh, out. Line. Uh, release. Oh, I thought so I was dragging an anchor. anchor. I was holding anchor. I was yeah. convinced of it. it was but I was paying out line. Yeah. Was that the the big chrome? Yeah, uh, on the front. What, what do they call that brand? The windless. Lumar. Oh, yeah. Lumar. Lumar. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got That's the nice little, like, it's a nice, it's a nice anchor so puller. The, I mean, the, the drum, the brake was loose, and so since the brake was loose, it was paying out line, and then that's why it bounced, and it took off off of the, and I didn't have it secured, you know, like, that's, it's a no-no yeah. for sure. Um on the Lumar, you don't. So what I do when I use that is I throw it through, but then I pull the underside up and then put it on a cleat. Absolutely. Yeah. You and that you didn't do that. Fuck day. no. Yeah. That thing. I, nope. <laughs> I was going deer hunt, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> well I can see playing. like easily <laughs> not doing that. I just that's what I do. Do well, I do you that just don't now? Think, yeah, yeah. You don't yeah. think to do that until some shit like this happens, and you're like, or oh, you're oh. told repetitively by somebody you don't listen because you're a male and you don't listen to anybody else's advice. You learn from your own stupid mistakes absolutely but i'm actually now big on i like black bungee cords on it I yeah like, I yeah like black we bungee do that. Cords. You go. that's love that and just so on the anchor while you're in motion 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And then it makes a great scrubber if you if you're like bouncing off the rocks a little bit, you can use that and you can use that to make like a decent little bridle and keep it from like there's a lot of like one of the things I hate the most is being on the hook and having the anchor line tug at your yeah, yeah. wind the sunlight. You can use oh. Yeah, you can wrap it you tie a loop in your anchor line, yeah. put the hook through and then go up and then you've got the sag in yeah. your line and then, and then you don't get yeah, the shock absorber. <laughs> I like that. So that was my, that's like my, I have a lot of really shitty stories, like everybody that's been in Alaska does. You guys have seen a lot of your stories and stuff. But like, that's like, because we're talking about Prince William Sound and like, the, that's like. That's a good one. Th that, that was, was my, that was a good experience and it did not deter me, right? Like, I mean, we've, I've now been on deer hunting trips where like, if there wasn't a dozen deer dead below deck on the second day, it was a bad day. Like it's been, it's been fun and changed our program a little bit, learned a lot of shit and uh, yeah. That's good. I'm Do you surprised. go out with two boats now? I try to always go out with two boats. Uh -huh. um, last year, I went out a little earlier than somebody else could get out, but I went out before a faster boat, so uh -huh. I was confident, and he got out to us, no problem. Uh -huh. I, I definitely, like, I, I learned something from some commercial fishermen a long time ago, people that are boating forever, and they're like, if you leave the harbor and you don't have at least a level of anxiety put your boat away. Yeah. Don't leave. Yeah. You don't have a heightened awareness you, and you're not you, dialed. You don't. And I'm like, I always do. Like for me, when I, when I see sight of where I'm going to drop the hook, man, this like calming, relax, yeah. there's a different totally. calming of being on the water and cruising. Yeah. And then when I get there, I'm like, Oh, I mean, it's just yeah. like this I, total I exactly relaxation. So relieved that you made it and you're in a safe spot. Yeah, and I mean, it's like, I don't go out in super shitty conditions generally, but I've you, I've almost always got my whole family on board. And so mm. if something were to happen, like there's a finite amount of time you have to rectify that situation. And if, if you're, yeah, if you're not prepared and, and stuff, and so, and I'm prepared and I still have that feeling. And I, I'm glad I have it because it makes me boat differently, I think. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. I just, yep. I don't take... Zero reason to take a risk when there's going to be another better day, you know. Yeah, absolutely, I've, I've yeah. called a lot of trips off, and I've stayed in the harbor a lot. People, oh, well, you stayed in the harbor this week? I'm like, it's fucking twenty five and five. You got a big boat? Yeah, sure, that's real fun. Doesn't matter what size boat yeah, you're in. You beat yeah. the shit out of yourself. <laughs> yeah. It's a real big boat until your engine becomes disabled, and you're, you know, you're drifting at fourteen knots towards the towards rocks. The rocks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Everything okay up there, honey? Yeah, it's just fine, babe. Yeah, the Coast Guard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you, Nick, for coming on and, and, and preaching and telling us your story and all the cool things that you're doing for Alaska and providing these awesome brands, everything that you're doing with Alaska Mining and Diving Supply. Um, if people haven't checked out the show at Alaska Outdoor Living and Recreation Show, Friday's at 2.06. 2.06 on the dot. 2.06. And what's the what's the AM station? 6.50 K-E-N-I. 6.50 K-E-N-I. You can check it on iHeartRadio.com, too. You can, we're, like, right oh, in okay. there with all the big dogs. On iHeartRadio.com. Yep. Right on, right on. And if you're looking to get into any kind of power sports or mining or anything like, like that, um, 100%, go down there to Mountain View and check out the boys out there at AKMDS and get after it. Thanks for yeah. coming out and, and, and spreading your story and, and doing all the things that you're doing for Alaska, and we appreciate you. Well, we appreciate you. Yeah. Let's Great get work, you man. back on uh, to talk about the history of that guide, the cruising oh, guide, man. Prince I, William Sound. We got a whole show to do on that. Yeah, oh, yeah. we do when, when we have time for that. There's a lot to talk about. Yeah, yep. we'll, have th we'll have you back tell. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah many yeah, more yeah. stories, <laughs> many more stories. <laughs> Thank Able you, Nick. Time. We appreciate you, Alaska. Thanks for listening. Stay wild. You remember my speaking to you of what I call your overcautiousness. Are you not overcautious?
when you assume that you cannot do what the enemy is constantly doing? The Alaska Wild Project podcast is brought to you by the following sponsors. Barney's Sports Chalet, supplying hunters with the best hand-selected gear since 1963. The exclusive home of Frontier Gear, built for the rugged Alaskan terrain. Your one-stop shop for all your outdoor needs. Visit Barney's today at 906 West Northern Lights. Arbor Digital, the forefront of digital assets, cryptocurrencies, and wealth management. Providing a low-cost, research-based investment strategy for Alaskans looking to invest their hard-earned money. Visit acminc.com today to put your money to work. Tailored Restoration 24-Hour Emergency Home Services. Helping Alaskans restore their dreams since 1972. Services include fire, water, mold, post-emergency cleaning, repair, and remodeling. Give them a call in Anchorage, Eagle River, Matsu, or Fairbanks. Hit them up at tailoredrestorationalaska.com. Total Truck and Alaska Overlander, Alaska's premier supplier for custom automotive accessories and overlanding products, providing all-inclusive rental vehicles and trailers custom outfitted to explore the Alaskan backcountry with a unique and convenient traveling experience. Serrano's Mexican Grill, two locations, one on Tudor, one on Northern Lights. The Northern Lights location has their new tequila bar. Check it out. Also see their daily specials at serranosmexicangrill.com. TheTreehouseAK.com, located at 341 Boniface Parkway, Alaska's own and grown cannabis and CBD store. Ask the bud tender what the strain of the day is to get your 10% off. The Treehouse, where the culture lives. The Connoisseur Lounge, Alaska's premier locally owned and operated cannabis retailer, located in the heart of Palmer, Alaska. Their cultivated products include Snowcap Romance, Aurora Haze, Super Glue, and much more. Find them at theconnoisseurlounge.net. AKO Farms, located in Sitka, Alaska, built from the ground up with concentrates as their single motivation, with exclusive products such as their sugar wax, full spectrum diamond sauce cards, and more. Ask your local bud tender about AKO. Marijuana has intoxicating effects that may be habit forming and addictive. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under the influence. There are health risks associated with consumption of marijuana. For the use of only by adults 21 and older, keep out of the reach of children, and marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding. The Bait Shack. Located on Ship Creek upstream of the bridge, can't miss the bright red shack. They're the go-to fishing gear rental and guide service on Ship Creek. Tight lines and fish on. Come hook into the action with them. Hit them up at thebaitshackak.com. Anchortown Dogs, located on 4th Avenue across from the old 4th Avenue Theater. Look for the blue and gold umbrella. From reindeer dogs to bomb euros, they've got you covered. Anchortown Dogs, your local gourmet hot dog and sausage cart. Crude Magazine, Alaska-based media outlet using the last frontier as a springboard to discover larger truths about the cultures of our great state. Read more at crudemag.com. Lawn Pro AK, Alaska's year-round professional property maintenance team. Services include snow and ice management, weekly lawn care, and more. Get your free estimate today at lawnproak.com. Double Shovel Cider Company, located off of Arctic and 58th, handcrafted Alaskan-made colonial ciders. They also have a tap room downtown on the corner of 5th and E. Stop by today and taste an award-winning cider. Lady with a Plan, your own Alaska event planner. From scouting the perfect location to planning the tiniest details. Specializing in event management and production for intimate social gatherings. Find Lady with a Plan on Instagram. Should you not claim to be at least his equal in prowess and act upon the claim? I say try. 
If we never try, we shall never succeed. This proposition is a simple truth, and it's too important to be lost sight of for a moment. If we cannot beat the enemy where he now is, we never can. It is all easy if our troops march as well as the enemy, and it is unmanly to say they cannot do it.